Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. It's like quiet for hours in my house. And then as soon as I hit record, the dog starts barking and the kids start screaming. And that's, I don't know if you can hear it, but hopefully the dog is stopping. Drives me nuts. But anyways, my name is Mark Striegel, and we are back here with another edition of Talking Metal. This is an epic episode. I'm going to play a little music first, and then I'm going to let the entire uh, most recent episode of the Talking Metal live stream just run in its entirety, unedited, with Simon Wright of ACDC and Dio fame and the one and only Ron Keel. This was a really great live episode that streamed last Friday on John Astronomy's Facebook page. Please tune in every Friday night, uh, at least until this COVID stuff is over. We're going to keep doing these live streams. we got Jeff Pilsen on this Friday's episode, which will probably be like tomorrow by the time I post this. So, uh, yeah, can't wait. Big thanks to all the patrons on Patreon. You guys support this show. You keep me going. I love corresponding with you on the Patreon page. Hopefully, uh, anyone who has pledged $5 a month or more, hopefully you all have your T-shirts, Talking Metal T-shirts. And I have some pins and stuff I've been sending out. It's really expensive to mail stuff over to the UK, so um, uh, not the, I mean, just Europe in general, so I do try to get the t-shirts out over there, but I, I got some stickers and pins as of right now. I just don't, uh, it's not economically cost efficient for me to send out a pin and, it, you know, the pin is worth about 50 cents and it costs like, you know, $10 to mail it to the UK, maybe more. Uh, or I just keep saying the UK, I mean, Europe in general. So I don't know that I'm going to be sending the pins out internationally, but for you domestic talking metal patron supporters, I, I just sent you out all pins. So hopefully you get those. All right. All right, guys. So here we go. We're going to start speaking of Patreon. Uh, Joe Ryan from Patreon supports us there. Joe is awesome. He suggested a song, Men at Arms by Stormburner. We're going to play that, and I'm going to come back with one more piece of music before we get into the live stream audio. Okay, here we go.
Stormburner, and the song was Men at Arms, requested by Joe Ryan. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for your support on Patreon, Stormburner. Uh, horrible name for a band, uh, named, I guess, after the two worst Deep Purple records, Stormbringer and Burn, right? I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. But great song, Men at Arms, and again, the band name, Stormburner. Storm. Storm burner. <laughs> okay. All right, let's get into some classic ACDC right here. The guy playing drums on this track is our first guest on the podcast tonight. His name is Simon Wright. Here's some classic ACDC. And then we'll get right into the live stream as recorded uh, last Friday the Talking Metal live stream with Ron Keel and Simon Wright, myself, and John Astronomy. Here we go.
Attention metal freaks, it's Friday night. That means it's Talking Metal on Facebook. All right. Bud friendly. Bud friendly. Welcome back, Welcome man. Back. It's been a, been a while. Where you been, man? Uh, I've been uh, quarantining in an uh, <laughs> undisclosed location in Mark Zuckerberg's basement. <laughs> nice. Of course, uh, Bud Friendly, guys, we've had some uh, requests for him, at least three requests for Bud Friendly, right? Um, and he was a big part of our TV show. We used to do a TV show on Fuse, and Bud Friendly was our in-house announcer, along with That's Metal Might on guitar, who just played that theme song with Rob Halford. Uh, Talking Metal Toast, John, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Let's do the Talking Metal Toast to Bud, Bud Friendly. Oh, with, with your Cheers. hosts, Mark and John. Cheers. I'm we have, uh, Simon Wright. Drummer Simon Wright on the show tonight uh, from ACDC and Dio fame, and also the great Ron Keel coming up. Bud Friendly, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm having some gin uh, and some ice cubes. <laughs> All right, John, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm drinking, as usual, Dash Vodka. So I've got a martini, uh, dirty, like, uh, you know, you made for Emily. It's got some right. olives in it. And, and there are little guys in the olives, as Nigel Tufnell said. I'm drinking the New Jersey beer. This is River Horse, the, uh, the summer blonde ale, which there's a good chance. I think this may be leftover from last summer, but, uh, which I don't know if that's <laughs> bad, but um, I had taken, taken a bunch of beer to my mom's house, like around Thanksgiving and I left it there. And I, we recently went down and visited her and she wanted me to take all the beer back. So it's been sitting at her house for <laughs> that's a while. Good. Yeah. But, I, I will cool. be switching to the hard stuff. I'm, I'm in a different time zone than you are. <laughs> it is, it's eight, it is 8 PM where I am. Yeah. Same PM here too. I am in the same time zone as you. <laughs> Bud Friendly, it's so great to have you on. Um, it's great. Bud to see Friendly you. was also. We used to do a live radio stream from right. Bionic. Remember those, yeah. John? What we do? Bud really Friendly fun. was always on those too. Mm -hmm. Fantastic was, memories. Rob Halford, a metal nurse. Yeah, metal nurse. That was a good right. one. <laughs> I forgot about the metal nurse. Right. Same yeah. episode. Right. Yeah, Rob, you got a good memory, uh, Gary. I mean, Bud Friendly. I'm sorry. Who was I talking about? I don't know who I was talking about, but uh, and, I had a lapse. Like uh, some of those politicians sometimes have lapses. The, uh, I just had one. The mask keeps my brain warm. My, vo my voice is very odd tonight. Bud Friendly is a professional <laughs> announcer. He really, he really is. No, he's yes. great. We already got uh, a couple of people watching, I believe. I don't know. I can't tell. Yeah, yeah, we do. I have a computer here so that I can tell, and uh, we actually do have some people watching, so I am very happy about that. Cool. But we do have a great show. Um, Simon Wright, one of my favorite drummers, is going to be on in about 10 minutes, and uh, uh, then we have Ron Keel, who I've been a fan of since the Steeler days, and uh, so it's going to be a good, good show. Uh, Mark, what'd you do this week? Uh, this week, I mean, we're doing the homeschooling thing, so it's just staying busy with that. And then I, I still have these like web webinar and WebEx work meetings I have to attend here and there. So I, I do that and uh, podcasting like crazy uh, interviewed Gary from the band Maelstrom today, who reminded me yeah. he was on 
the Talking Metal on, speaking of Bud Friendly, the Talking yeah. Metal on Fuse show. I yeah, mean, I remember that episode People well. on the couch. Yes. What's that? Yep. What's that? Yep. Fo- fond memories. Yeah. I, so anyways, I, the, he yeah, has Gary's an album great. that is being released. Uh, we have another episode coming up with Carl Kennedy from The Rods, and he uh, produced Anthrax and Overkill and... Uh, I'm trying to think of who else. Uh, he worked with um, a bunch of different bands. So anyways, he's a great interview. Ronnie, Ronnie Dio, he's, he has some great Dio stories. So uh, a right. good interview coming up with him on the podcast. And of course, we put the audio from these on the podcast too. So please everyone Absolutely. subscribe to the Talking Metal podcast and also to our YouTube page. That's all great. the time we have for tonight. Tune in next time on Talking Metal Live. <laughs> It's we're back, guys. All right. <laughs> I like. Actually, guys, we, I, we're, we're actually sorry. not going to sign I, off. I'm, I'm kidding. Different types. Um, I have to. Um, I want to do something before I forget. I want to thank Hank Reeves. I want to thank Ron Osborne, Rich St. Van, Jack Lawler, Michelle and Sherry, uh, who I see are watching. Uh, Mich- uh, Sherry's driving, but Michelle is watching. Uh, Lachey Christoph and David Quinn, I want to thank. And, and uh, Gabriel way, is watching. One of the people Bert who's Gabriel, been I see he's watching. requesting yeah, David, that Bud Friendly come back. So uh, well, at least Arun he is. is watching. A Arun. A big right. Bert Gabriel the great and great band, Arun Hollywood fan. Superstars, is watching. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And he said, and then uh, he wants viewers. to see Sacred Reich. And then uh, there's one, David Quinn said, this Bud's for you. He's, he's a new fan. Bud All Friendly, right. you have a brand new fan. Yeah, they just they add up. It's just the fans are 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 the most yeah. important to me. Uh, that's <laughs> yeah. why we're going to take some, some some viewer mail right now. Mark, <laughs> time for viewer mail. Right on. Uh, yeah, no, my, no my head right now, but 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 uh, are you on social mail. media? People are wondering: Are you on social media? Uh, I I was recently on social media. Yes, I'm on the uh, online dating sites. Okay, <laughs> which one? Right. Uh, Bert Gabriel saying now this is what I call a family mask reunion. to mask. Uh, <laughs> mask to mask. Oh, it's a good one. Only uh, maskcub.com, right? Maskcub. Yeah, yeah. Ma- mask bear cub. Uh, <laughs> footfun.org. <laughs> you got the hey, sunglasses. I don't think you never used to have the sunglasses. Back. Oh, uh, again, <laughs> it's very bright where I am. I'm in a different time zone. Right on. <laughs> Bud Friendly, ripping them misfits. Number yes, one. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, Bert Gabriel. Hi, Ted. Hi, Bobby. See, we're we're. We we're looking at the comments now. Yeah, it's something it's we haven't thing. been doing in the in the past. But yeah. John, so my one of my first concerts, it was probably like my probably like my fourth or fifth concert was coincidentally this ties in with both both guests because it was ACDC at the Chicago Rosemont Horizon with wow. Simon on the drums, uh, the Fly on the Wall tour, and. Engve, the guitar player that Ron Keel basically discovered, wow, um, uh, opening up for ACDC, and there, ladies and gentlemen, is Simon Wright. Simon, how Simon. are you? Simon, Simon's connecting to audio. He will you want to do an official set. intro to, for Simon Wright, bud, and then maybe we'll catch up with you later. Sounds good. It's been great to be here, guys. 
All right, talking metal fans, you're here for the stars. You're not here for Bud Friendly. Coming to the main stage, Simon Wright. <laughs> Simon right. is on. We can see Simon, and I see that he's connecting to audio. Yeah. Simon. If, Currently uh, connecting to audio. <laughs> It says Simon Wright is connecting to audio. Simon, can you hear yeah. us? Maybe we'll have you hang out until he connects to the audio, bud. Oh. That, that would be great. Oh, Simon, I've got Simon no on. Simon's camera went off, but he, he is still technically on. You know what I think Simon is doing? Waiting until uh, 8.15, possibly. So I think that's what's happening. So let's just hang out, and uh, Simon is still Well, John, you know audio. the... The, the rules of show business, if you're 10 minutes early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. Correct, correct. So so we have uh, Simon coming right up. Coming and um, to audio. So we're doing good. So, Mark, so tell us about this concert. Uh, it was... Yeah. So 1985 was at the Rosemont Horizon in Chicago. And to this day, like when people say, what, what, are you, what were your greatest concerts? And I've been to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of concerts. That one always sticks out. And no disrespect towards Engve, but when when ACDC came on, like you didn't even you know, he was the hot shot guitar player at that time, 85. Man, but when it was as soon as Angus and Simon and Brian and Malcolm hit the stage, it was all over. I mean, it was just like wow. it was it was one of the most powerful shows. And I was pretty close up front. You know, uh, not front row, but but fairly close up. You know, it was assigned seating, but as soon as they went on, everyone just pushed and ran up. And to this day, one of my most memorable concerts. And it was, of course, when the Cannons came out at the end wow. for uh, for those about to rock. That I always say was the loudest moment I ever experienced. Man, that's so cool. Because nowadays, when ACDC tours. The cannons, because I've seen them a number of times, they come up, but they're not they're not actual cannons. They're just okay. like and there's like a sound effect going and right. smoke kind of, you know, comes out a little bit of, out of like it. fog yeah. or something. We're back in the day, they were actual cannons with gunpowder. So they, were, they would shove the the thing in God. the cannon and they would blow up two of them and they'd just be blowing up. And there was the whole arena was just you could smell the smoke and the it's if you know what gunpowder smells like that's what the whole arena smelled like and that it was so loud. deafening and loud uh, but the the power that they had and the presence on stage and the energy because I've seen ACDC many times and each time the energy level kind of went down I'm sure that's just because they were getting older but that uh, that concert I just was blown away Angus just nonstop movement you know and that is so cool. I, he I hear you mark about the uh, things not being the same uh, I recently saw Alice Cooper he uh, apparently the uh, the guillotine act he they no longer cut his head off like they used to and back back in the day they would cut Alice's head off right. and have to yeah. sew it back on before okay. the encore which is, of course would be schools out but right, uh, right. now it is just <laughs> Some sort of magical illusion. It's a fake head. He, I don't know. Maybe he has too much scar tissue and can't do the full cut. <laughs> so they and, really uh, did it back in the day, for real. Yeah, perhaps weird. he's on some sort of blood thinners, and he would have a bleeding problem. Uh, right on. Right on. I hear but you. that's a little known fact. Uh, hey, all he's got his own head off every night. 
I have to do something, uh, and you guys are going to laugh, but I have to change my lighting, but I can only do it by saying something to Alexa. So, Alexa, turn spotlights yellow. Okay. Okay, it turns oh, wow. 40%. <laughs> but speaking of Alice Cooper, last Alexa. night I watched a uh, documentary, the first episode of a documentary called Laurel Canyon. And Alice Cooper is in it. And it's about this, I guess, this area of, of Los Angeles called Laurel Canyon, where all these different people lived, like, you know, Neil Young and Alice Cooper and Frank Zappa and Joni Mitchell and, and how they all kind of came together. The monkeys live there too. Um, so it's, it's uh, oh, the mamas and the papas. Uh, so it's pretty interesting. And Alice was <laughs> right in that community with, with everyone back in the, I guess, like late 60s. The doors, wow. the doors that cool. moved from Venice out to Laurel Canyon. So You know what? I was watching a documentary as well. I, I don't know if it was the Linda Ronstadt documentary, but it was talking about an area like that out in one of those canyons. Linda Ronstadt, I believe, lived in Laurel Canyon, too. Yeah. Okay, so then it must have been the same thing. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Maybe a little later. I'm not sure, but it could have been. Yeah. Yeah. But a cool documentary. That was the first episode. And I guess it goes on. It's about all about music that comes from California. So uh, nice. Interesting. But, what, what, what is, oh. Hey, we got Simon. Hey. Simon, Simon how are thanks you? for coming on the I'm show. Good. We really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Can you hear me okay? Yes, you sound great. And we can see you look great, too. Uh, that's cool. <laughs> so everybody, uh, welcome to the show, Simon Wright. He's played with so many great bands, including ACDC, Dio, Queensryche, Rhino Bucket, Hellion. It's amazing. How you doing out in California, Simon? Yeah, doing okay. You know, considering. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> so Simon. The last time I hung out with you in person was a great night at the Canyon Club in Agora Hills. You came down to see Ace Frehley play. And let me tell you, uh, the Ace show was great. But me, uh, as a fan of yours, I was more excited to hang out with Simon Wright that night. That was cool. <laughs> Cheers, John. Thanks, man. Hey, Thank but I, I ran into you. We did some shows with Ace, remember, with Jeff Tate Queensryche? Yes, yes, I do remember yeah. that, right. And I saw when I saw you, you were carrying Ace up the stairs. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, I think I was just uh, standing behind him because uh, Ace has her horrible balance. So that's what it probably was. <laughs> I remember those shows. We did those in um, uh, Florida. Was it Florida? Florida, yep. Mm -hmm. We were down in Florida together. Those were great shows and uh, great venues, theaters. It was a theater we did, I remember. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. We, we had some great shows, and uh, I hope we do those again. That would be another great bill if we put that together, uh, you guys. And, uh, if I mean, I, I, do you still occasionally talk to Jeff? Yeah, yeah. I talk, I, I talk to him now and again, but I'm not really involved in it anymore because – Things kind of changed, you know, Rudy Sazo left and his brother left and uh, uh, Kelly Gray got some other uh, work going on. So the band all kind of changed around a little bit. I see. Um, and then he changed the name because he had to. He changed right. it to Operation Mindcrime. And um, right. I did that for a little bit. But uh, those were some great shows. Ace was playing really well. It was yeah. great shows. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So... And Simon, we were just talking about your your incredible career. I was reminiscing with John before you joined us 
about seeing uh, you with ACDC for the first time back in 1985. That was the Fly on the Wall tour. And oh, yeah. what and a, just when I, I've seen hundreds and hundreds of concerts at this at this point in my life, and that always stands out as one of my favorites. Um, oh. And I will tell you another concert that you played that, again, it has to be top 15 for me. And that was with Dio at the Beacon Theater in New York City, probably about like, what, 12, 15 years ago. Do you remember that show? Yeah. Um, it's funny how you always kind of remember. I don't know why it is, but I always remember the New York shows. I think it's because they're kind of like just crazy. The Beacon's in New York, right? Yeah, theater, right, yeah, yeah. Right. in Manhattan on the Upper yeah. West Side. Yes. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. yeah. You, got I remember. you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, you know, because it's like w we got a lot of friends in New York anyway, so they usually come to the shows and stuff, and we hang out and all, and, you know, go eat Italian the next day and stuff like that. Ronnie had some good friends. I got good friends there and stuff, but, yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, It's all good. Yeah, that was a great show. And, and that, of course, was you with Ronnie and I believe it was Craig Goldie on guitar, Rudy Sarzo on bass on that tour. And, you know, I wanted to mention that an album that you and Craig did with uh, with Ronnie and I guess it would have been Jimmy Bain on bass just turned 20 recently. That's Magica. And I wanted to know if you could share any memories of, of that record, being that it just turned 20 years old. Yeah, it was a good time. Um you know, with uh, Ronnie and Craig, we spent a lot of time in the studio demoing it. And um, there was some really magic moments, you know, they would be plinking away there on these little riffs. And, uh, you know, I'd kind of have to go out and do something, um, come back. And they had created this epic song, you know. It was just amazing how it, how things would develop. Um and there was a really good feeling of camaraderie, you know, it was, it was, we were really strong, you know, and Ronnie had some great ideas and um, yeah, it was just a great time. And I think the album turned out great too. So yeah. Yeah, it did. And Jimmy Bain was on that record. I know you played on a, he was on a couple of the deal records with you or was it three? I'm trying to remember. Um, my head. What did he do? Yeah. We did Kill the Dragon together and Magica. Right. Yeah. yeah, and what was what was Jimmy like? Because we of course lost him a couple of years back. What, yes. what any memories you can share about about your <laughs> relationship with him? Yeah, Jimmy's Jimmy's great. You know, he's um, always has a smile on his face. I mean, you know, we'd often you know sneak out the hotel, you know, go find a fish and chip shop in Europe and stuff like that. And uh, he was easy to get along with. He's a very friendly guy and a hell of a bass player. And he's uh, sadly missed, you know. Yeah. Great Absolutely. Guy. So, um, Simon, I have so many questions for you, but since we've been uh, talking about Dio, I want to stick with the, the Dio subject for a while. Now, most recently, you were doing the Dio Returns shows with The Hologram, and that is such an amazing thing. Just tell us how that came about and how that was. It was an idea by um, a guy called Jeffrey Pizzuti, who had a, right. who has a, yeah, he has a company called uh, Illusion, and he approached Wendy with the idea of it, um, and Wendy liked the idea. Um, she put it to us, and we all kind of liked the idea. That would be me and uh, Scott Warren, Craig Goldie, Ripper Owens, Oni Logan, 
and uh, and Bjorn England, our bass player, and uh, we we liked the idea. And probably four, three, four months after that, Jeff came up um, and showed us what he'd been working on, and it looked really good. Um, you know, and then things went on a little bit more. We got in the rehearsal studio with the hologram. Um, and when I first saw it, up, you know, up like that in a, you know, a rehearsal place, um, it was like my, you know, the hair on my arms was standing up. It was like, good God, this is amazing stuff, you know? Wow. Um, because a lot of people love Ronnie's music, you know, but they never got a chance to see him. It's amazing how many never got to see him perform live. So this is a, you know, a fitting tribute to him that we're doing here. And a lot of people would, um, would knock it and say we were doing the wrong thing and it's sacrilegious and we're trying to raise the dead, which is absolute bullshit. You know, we, right. we, he was like a father to all of us. We're doing this with total respect. So yeah, we, we, we took it out, um, June of last year. Um, and it started off kind of slow, but by the end of June, it ended up being, you know, the shows were pretty much close to sold out. So we were going to carry on actually, um, uh, take taking a little bit of a break, but we were going to carry on February, and um, you know all this Corona shit started up. So, right, yeah, but hopefully next year something will be organized. I, I would love to see that, and I also do know Jeff, and uh, I spoke to him uh, years ago about this, uh, just his whole hologram project, and it's so cool. I I think it's amazing that that even you said that when you saw that hologram in the studio, it made the hairs on your arm stand up. Like you got the chill seeing that. Well, I, I wasn't, I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to see it first. I thought it was a good idea, right. but I was kind of like, okay, let's see what you got, you know? And then I got to see it and yeah, it was, it was quite a, quite a shock, you know? That is amazing. You know, you got Craig next to, next to Ronnie and Bjorn is next to him up on the riser and it looked like, Holy shit! <laughs> you know this looks pretty damn good. You know, but very, uh, very cool. Yeah, we're not trying That's to resurrect the dead here. It's entertainment, you know. Right, and it's. I love what you said. It's a tribute, and you know, all the the people that have negative comments and stuff like that. That's. I I think they should just be disregarded. And um, uh, well, you it, know, it's I know like you. If you really feel strongly about about it, you know, and you don't like it, don't go. It's no problem, right. you know. Right. It's, it, it's for, either for, way. And like you said, for, for a lot of fans who uh, didn't get a chance to see Dio, this is a cool thing. And for a lot of the people who did see him, this is a real fitting and 100%, uh, you know, uh, I can't think of the word, but it's, it's a tribute that's worthy of having you guys all do that. And uh, you're sincere. That's what it is. It's a sincere tribute. And I think it's amazing. And I'd rather go see that than not go out and see you guys play. I, I love that you guys are doing it. Yeah, it's a, it's a, we all feel very strongly about it. It's a fitting tribute to him. Now, Simon, Absolutely. at one point there was some talk going around that the Dio Disciples were actually working on new original music. Can you, yeah. can you expand on that? Is that true? Oh, yeah. We did, we've done five or six good demos. They need figuring out the songs. Me and Craig wrote some stuff. Bjorn brought in some stuff too. Um, but we kind of took a, a right turn to deal with the hologram. So Dio Disciples is kind of like on the moment. And also, you know, if you're talking about a Dio Disciples album, those the way the demos are and the songs, they're they're 
they're kind of different to each other. They're different kind of styles. So, and it was a conversation that we were having with ourselves about how we should, which direction we should go in. So I think when we resume back to Dio Disciples, we have to figure out like the, the direction that we're going in to create a Dio Disciples sound, you know, and it'll have touches of Dio in it, obviously, because of the way that Craig spent so much time with Ronnie and me as well. I have ideas as well, but, you know, we want to try and create its own sound. Absolutely. Um, so um, I'm going to take it a little back before Dio Simon. And I, I want to, uh, you know, most of uh, our listeners are heavy metal fans like us, and they're familiar with their history. But we do have some new listeners who are younger and, and some who are just getting into heavy metal. And uh, I want to talk about ACDC. And you, tell us how that whole thing came about of you joining ACDC and going on to play on many, many um, of the really important ACDC records. And they're all yeah. important, but you played on some classic records. Yeah, it 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 started... Um, <clears throat> I wasn't doing much. I was living in London. I, uh, I, I come from Manchester, but I'd moved down to London and there was an ad in uh, the newspaper, a music newspaper. And it said, drummer wanted, if you don't hit hard, don't apply. So a friend of mine said, you should answer that. <laughs> That's you. <Wow. laughs> Excuse me. So I answered it anyway. And I got a call back and they said, can you come down tomorrow? And it was a big rehearsal place fancy big place in London called Nomis. And uh, so I go down and I get there and it's um, the drum tech is there with a drum kit and a PA and monitors. And he said, can you play to these three tracks? And it was Led Zeppelin, Black Dog, ZZ Top Tush and ACDC Shoot the Thrill. So I played them as best I knew them. I kind of knew them all, but I, you know, I just got through it. And, and they told uh, you the three songs ahead of time? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And did yeah, you, so. I, 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 this is a technical thing, but did you hear the music in headphones? Like, did you play to a track? Uh, the drum kit was mic'd, but the music was coming through the uh, the monitors. Wow, that's really hard to, uh, to do that, drummers, uh, all you drummers out there, because you have to play perfectly in time with pre-recorded music. Yeah, I said that to the tech, and he said, oh, mate, he's a Welsh guy, got a Welsh guy from Wales in England. He said, oh, don't you worry there. I'll make it really loud for you. you know, so, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so we cranked it, you know, when I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I so guess you played through these three songs for him. Yeah, I did the songs. And I kind of did okay. Black Dog's hard, you know, because of the count. You don't really hear it. But anyway, I right, love right. Um, and, and you didn't at that point know it was ACDC, right? No, I had no idea wow. it was... I knew, obviously, because of the way the rehearsal place was, I knew it was a band who had money because it's really expensive to rehearse there. So I thought, oh, right. okay, I'll give, this is cool. So anyway, I finished up. He said, that was great. And I went home. And he called me back about three hours later. And he said, can you come back tomorrow? And I'm like, well, not really. No, I haven't got any money, you know, because I was pretty broke. So he said, well, don't worry about that. Get yourself in a taxi and come down so i got in a i thought oh that's good so um right they're paying me to come back so that's good they're paying me already that's great yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i go back anyway um and uh 
he, he, he's walking me through the place to a different rehearsal um, room and we're passing all these flight cases with ACDC written on them. And wow. I'm just going, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, wow. so I said, uh, I sort of tapped him on the shoulder and I looked at him and I went, you're kidding, right? And he went, no. <laughs> wow. 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 That is amazing. Yeah, so, it, you know, I just carried on and it, well, he opened the door and I went in and it was Angus and Cliff and Mal. Um, Brian wasn't there. I, I think he was back in Florida. But they all said, hi, hey, how you doing? You know, and they were all super down to earth, like, you know, just regular people, you know, no rock star stuff going on. And they were like, what do you know? So I was like, and I'd played ACDC songs before, obviously, you know, like Rosie and Back in Black and let it be rock. So we ran through some stuff and, you know, it was, um, it, it was great. It, it seemed really easy, you know, cause of, you know, Malcolm is a killer rhythm player. God bless him. Um, right. you know, Cliff is solid as all can be. And then Angus is on top of that. It's just amazing. But we took a break and they started, there's like a sitting area and they started talking about the tour and stuff and everything. And I'm, you know, and, and the conversations they were having were, were kind of like usually private, I would right, I imagine, right. you know. So I'm like, does this mean I'm in the band? And Mal says, yeah, it looks like it, doesn't it? <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. That is amazing. Amazing. unbelievable. Yeah, all, it, because, all because you saw an ad in the newspaper. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. even, that's even more mind-blowing that it wasn't like, oh, you know, some rock star recommending somebody to them. I mean... And it, and it speaks volumes. You mentioned how they were just normal guys. You know, I'm imagining, I always think kind of this working class vibe. And, and here, instead of pulling in some like famous studio musician drummer, they, they gave somebody, an unknown like yourself, a chance to. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. What an amazing story, Simon. Yeah, I'll never, I'll never forget that. I'll, I'll, I'll always, uh, you know, be thankful to them for the break that I got there, which was enormous. Yeah. They're great people. And Simon, Mark was just telling the story that he saw you guys at the Rosemont Horizon, which is outside of Chicago, right, Mark? Correct, yes. Now, why don't you tell Simon what tour that was? And I just think it's amazing, like, that you were at that show, like, back in the day, seeing something like that. So yeah, Mark, that, was, uh, that would have been, it. I think, 85, that was Fly on the Wall. Yeah. And and you guys, I remember Engve opened, who at, at the time was like the big hotshot guitar player. But it was just like it, by the time ACDC and, you know, Angus just came out on stage, Engve was just an afterthought, you know, and, and, and it was the energy level that that they put out during that concert. And I con- continued to see ACDC every year uh, or every tour through the years. And there was no, that was the first time I saw them with you. Uh, and, and there was that energy level was never matched, uh, ever, ever again on that tour. And I was just telling John that now when they tour, the cannons that come out are like, they're fake, you know, and it's a sound effect. But back in those days when the cannons would go off, Oh yeah. They, it was gunpowder and we could, yeah. see, the whole was, arena just smelled like gunpowder. Yeah. You know? they're, they're, I think it was, I think it was the, on that tour, they turned the cannons in in a little bit too, towards the middle of the stage, just a little bit. Right. On that, it was a tour afterwards. So anyway, with it, they go off, 
and all the wadding and all the crap would fall on the drum kit, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, move these yeah. bloody cannons, will you? <laughs> that is that's classic. Oh man, also what it's going down on me. <laughs> that is funny. That is funny. So, I mean, now when you guys recorded, I mean, such classic records like Fly on the Wall, and what, how did you start out with the recording process? Was it you and Cliff just uh, doing tracks together, or how did you guys approach that? Um, we'd all get together, all of us at the same time, and Malcolm and Angus would come in um, with ideas, with tape cassettes, you know. Uh, back then it was like Walkmans and stuff, and um, you know, Ma- Malcolm's ideas were were a little bit more uh, cohesive and worked out, I, I, if I remember rightly. And Angus's were a little bit kind of not as worked out and stuff, but you could get a good idea of where they were where they were going. And they, you know, we'd start and we'd work on a riff, and um, we, it would go so far, and then it would need you, you know, we'd take a break because it needed something else to it. Um, you know, and just develop the songs like that. It was ideas by Malcolm and Angus and all. Wow. So, and Brian, and would then, be scri- Brian would be scribbling down lyrics and try to get a start on things. And then once you had all the songs ready and written and you were heading to actually start the recording process, <laughs> who did you... Who did you do the like the drum tracks and like the scratch? Did you guys did they do scratch tracks and you played like your real dr- to try to get your real drum track or did y'all play together? Or how did that work? Well, sometimes on Malcolm's um, demos there was uh, a drum machine, um, you know, which is fine. It just gives you a little bit of direction as to where he's thinking, you know, or and it just gets right. the idea flowing, you know. It, you know, sometimes the idea, the drum idea would change. Um, but yeah, it was, um, you just kind of, you, you know, you, you keep it pretty straight and pretty solid, you know, as their songs right. are, you know, which is yeah. cool, you know? Um, so we just, they just developed from there really, you know, you start playing them and, and adopt the feel because sometimes drum machines, as we know, are a bit kind of like stiff. So right. yeah, you have to keep playing it and playing it and get the groove right. Um, yeah, and then just line up the songs, you know, done. That one's done. That's good enough. Let's, and then we move to the studio and start start recording them. And nice. Simon, somebody on, uh, we have, uh, you know, we're streaming this live. It'll also go out as a podcast and be put on YouTube. But Ted on Facebook is asking, uh, he says he loves your sound. He said, what what kind of snare drum do you use? Well, uh, in AC, a lot of the ACDC stuff, in fact, all of it was uh, sonar drums. Okay. Um, and flying the wall was a uh, a pretty oh god, what did I use again? That was such a long time ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was using um, a copper over brass. It was like eleven eleven inches deep. It was a huge, wow. big, big drum. That's huge. I, I I I I liked it. It was just too heavy, you know, to lift the thing. You know, it t- took two yeah. people. <laughs> 11 inches deep was yeah. do you keep it high or did you have a low snare stand oh it was oh it just was low yeah i have it high yeah. for where i have them you know and uh yeah the the stand was way down there you know it was like <laughs> but then there was also a wood snare that i used which was the binger and that was more uh more of a regular drum that i think that was about a six and a half maybe nice. so yeah and- nothing I, I basically hadn't done a lot of recording, so I, I wasn't sure 
what I was going to use. I mean, I, I brought those drums in and there was a couple of others that were there too. There was um, a highlight snare drum, which was totally opposite of the copper one, which was super light, you know, but it had a fantastic sound. So, um, yeah, we chopped and changed it a bit. Nice. So, Simon, um, now, Mark, you said was that, that was the Fly on the Wall tour that you saw. Uh, yeah, Simon, no, I, I saw the next tour, too. Oh, yeah, you saw, yeah. okay, so Who Made Who tour. Um, Simon, uh, what, like, were you guys playing outdoor places or arenas or both? Oh, I, I arenas. It was a, a it was a lot of arenas, yeah, Mark. And uh, there was some out outdoor stuff, I think, too. I, it's hard to remember. It all seems a bit of a blur. Yeah, I saw but, the who I saw that tour in Philly, actually. Um, yeah, but it's such a great run with with ACDC. Um, I, I wanted to, you know, maybe segue because I we've obviously ACDC, an enormous fan, Ronnie James Dio, uh, you know, legendary. But you did play with UFO in the 90s when, when Shanker was back in the band. And wondering, it was kind of, you know, you had, you had sort of the classic lineup plus you going with, with UFO at that time. And that, that was always such a, in the 70s, we would always read stories about how that was such a turbulent uh, combination of personalities. What was, what was that like with, with you uh, being in UFO and and guys like Michael Shanker and Pete Way and 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 Phil, how how did you get along with everyone and how did they get along with each other? Well, I got along with them all fine. Michael and you know Phil Mogg is a, a absolute gentleman, uh, classy guy. Um, Pete Way is all you know rock and roll, and he's very quiet. <laughs> Paul Raymond, my good friend Paul Raymond, who passed. We had a lot of time yeah. together in different steakhouses, testing their wine cellars. Um, yeah. And uh, Michael was fine with me. I always got along with him fine. You know, there were no sh shouting fights. Not with me, but there were a couple of occasions where it got uh, a little bit testy with the other guys. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as you said earlier, you know, it was it's the classic UFO with me and it was like I had no idea what they were all fighting about it was like you know what the <laughs> fuck is going on now you know <laughs> um but there were some tense moments but um there's also some really good shows I mean it was just a great band to be in there's such it's a great you know playing more or less when I was I think we did when I joined, I can't remember exactly what it was. It 94, 94, 95. And, uh, I left in 98, but, or oh, the band finished in 98. But, um, yeah, I mean, you're playing the whole strangers in the night, basically, you know, the UFO live album and it's just right. brilliant. I was brought up on that stuff and now I'm actually in Chicago playing it with right. UFO. It's like, holy shit. You know, it's yeah. one of those moments, you know, but they're really great people, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're a bit of a curiosity, but they're great people. I mean, well, you did that one record, you did one, was it one studio record with them? Um, Covenant, right? Uh, no, I never recorded never, never in did. the studio with them. Right. We were going to, and then it all just imploded. But, okay. um, I think there's a live CD attached to Covenant that, that, I played on. Okay. All right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Right. Unfortunately. 
Yeah. And um, uh, you also played with Rhino Bucket and you did three records with them. Yeah. Yeah. Now, t- how, how did that all come about? Um, just through a friend of a friend, really. Um, I was living up in Fresno and I moved back down LA and uh, there wasn't much going on. It was one of those times. Um, and a friend told me about this band and uh, she said, here, listen to this album. They're looking for a drummer. So I listened to it. I'm going, man, that's good. That's cool. I mean, it's got an ACDC vibes to it, obviously, but the way they did it was really cool, I thought, you know. So we met up. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we met up um, in a restaurant, and I we all got along straight away. It was, you know, it was really cool. We all just uh, all had the same ideas. We all had the same sense of humor, and uh, we became great great friends and stuff and all you know yeah you played with so many people and something that i think is great is that you also play with your girlfriend and bolin in hellion which is a great band i saw something you did and that was a little bit of a heavier style than for example like even like the acdc or even the dio kind of stuff tell us about that and and about her project yeah well she she was getting ready to um to do another album she hadn't done an album or I made any music um, because when he- when Hellion stopped about, I can't remember the ex- exact years, but um, anyway, Hellion stopped for a while and she went and got a law degree and now she's a lawyer. But, wow, that's great. Yeah, she's she's an amazing woman, you know. Um, and, and, you know, after a while, she wanted to get back taste, you know, get back into music again. So she called me up and we had it, we met and, stuff and she wanted some help getting players together for a, a new Hellion. And she asked all the uh, uh, the past members of Hellion if they wanted to be involved and not, my, you know, they none of them did. So, because they'd all moved on, they were older and stuff. And, and uh, so I found, and she found, you know, guitar player, bass player. Um, um, and we just, formed this new Hellion and all, and we started writing new music, me and Anne and, uh, and, uh, oh God, Max, Max Carlisle. And, um, yeah, we just did it. She wanted to do it for fun and it turned out to be really good. Yeah. The stuff is great. And what I, what I like Simon, and I know you've done this not just with Hellion, but, but you are not just a drummer, you're a writer too. You, you co-write to these songs. Yeah. I mean, if, um, if you can find a guitarist who's susceptible to that, that that's really cool. And I have. Right. Well, many times. Me and Craig write together a hell of a lot. And writing with Max from Hellion, he was he'd done some stuff, but his stuff was his stuff that he'd written was really good, but it was all it was kind of samey. It was all like super fast, you know. So <laughs> I came in and I said, Well, no, you know, let's move this part and we'll do half time on that and you know, instead of hitting the notes, just play the chords over it, you know, and that gives wow. space for vocals, you know, and you just develop it from there. I mean, I'm no expert. I just try to explain what I'm hearing, you know. Well, but Simon, <laughs> you sound like you, you sound like you're also, in addition to a writer, a drummer, like that's production. So I love that. I, I think it's great. And plus, you've been in the studio so much that, that you know how to put together a song. Yeah, yeah, I, we did. I was the producer on the uh, Hellion, that five song thing and all and uh or me and Anne were and uh Wynn Davis was the engineer and all so 
you know, it's uh, it's just from having been in the studio so much, you know. Um, yeah. We did all of Ronnie's albums with with Win Davis, so he was there. Nice. And, uh, oh, that's that's great that you you are comfortable with uh, an engineer that you like and that you're you know you've worked with in the past. Yeah, it, that's the that's the best way when you're doing it with your friends. Right, man. Yeah. I, I don't think we've ever had a guest on Talking Metal, Mark, who has played with so many legendary musicians. Yeah, from really the guys in UFO, Shanker. And I wanted to say that it, how, how, how many guests? How many guests have you had, though? <laughs> no, we've had a lot. We've, I swear to God, we've had just about everybody. Maybe not on the <laughs> Facebook version, but on the regular version. I still think. I guarantee you, Simon. I I bet you've got the record. You've got the record. Um, I wanted to mention Hellion too. It's almost full circle because of your relationship with with uh, with Ronnie. I I know he produced like one of their original dem- yes. demo or EP or something. He was involved with them back in the day, as yeah, I think I th- Wendy was too. Yeah, they were for a while there. Yeah, he was helping out write songs and stuff. And uh, you know, obviously her her, um, her her bandmates were blown away. You know, it's because I think Anne knew knew Wendy, um, and. Uh, yeah, the opportunity just came along. I mean, Ronnie liked some of the songs that had already been written by Hellions, and he wanted to get involved. They needed a producer and stuff, so and a, and a writer. So, yeah, that worked out. I think he helped out with Run For Your Life. Yeah, it's cool. And, uh, you know, um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about California before we let you go, but I know you were in Australia recently, right? Yes, I was there in November. Yeah, and t- tell everybody what you were doing down there because I know, but it's it's really exciting. I thought. Yeah, it's um, we usually do it every year. It's um, it's like a Bon Scott kind of tribute, but it's Australian musicians who are, uh, you know, they've had a lot of success over there. It's really strange, Australia. It's it's you have lots of, because I think it's so far away. You have lots of success, but you don't have it around Outside. the rest of the world. Yeah, right, and it's a right. it's a real shame because there's some brilliant musicians over there in Australia, and it was like the likes of uh, my friend James Morley. He played with the Angels, another Australian great band. Um, you know, and and lots of different uh, Australian musicians come in and play, and uh, it's right. like a celebration and all. It's like a big big night for Bon Scott. Well, Bon Scott is a, another amazing uh, musician, and I thought that was such a cool project. And I knew you, when you were doing that because I must have read something online, and I, you know, constantly, as I said, following your career. So I, I knew you went down there. So I definitely wanted to ask you about that. Now, okay, before we let you go, I, I love your Facebook posts, and um, you know, <laughs> how are you doing being cooped up, and are you getting out there or what? How's it? How's life in California right now in LA? Well, it's strange. I mean, it was really, it was really horrible, and like it is for everybody. Um, you know, three or four weeks ago, because you could not go anywhere. I mean, you go to right. the store and you come back, and that's it. Yeah. Um, and that was bad enough. Now it's opening up a little bit because I think people are screw it. We've had enough. Right. We're not staying in here anymore. It's just forget it. You know, um, some of the stats don't add up for me with regards to the seriousness of uh, what happened. Uh, I won't get into that, but, you know, but it's strange right now. You're asking me now because some of the restaurants are opening up now. We actually ate inside of a restaurant, a Mexican restaurant. I saw that. 
Yeah. And I mean, it's weird. You're going, should I take the mask off now before I take another bite? Or should I put it back on or leave it on? Or should I put, the, you don't know what to do, you know? Right, right. I know. I was, even up until yesterday, I'm wearing gloves everywhere I go. I think I yeah. might drop the gloves. I, I might drop the gloves and just use hand sanitizer. But Yeah, that's what I've been doing, hand sanitizer. Yeah, it's uh, very good. But yeah, but it's becoming a regular routine now. Is when I stop doing it, that's going to be weird. <laughs> yeah, I know. When we can go out without masks and hand sanitizer, it's going to be pretty amazing. And I can't even believe that this is happening. This is like a like a movie, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Weird, weird times for sure. Some strange times. But Simon, it, it's always great talking with you. I think this is my second interview that I've done with you, and we love hearing the stories and. And uh, I mean, we, it's been 10 years now since Ronnie left us. So it's really great to connect with somebody that Ronnie admired so much and, and uh, valued so much. So thank you so much for spending some time with us. No problem, Mark. And I do remember speaking to you before. I can't exactly remember when, but... Probably about, I, I'm thinking it was maybe two years ago or so. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I, I would have to look, but... Well, but thank yeah. you, Mark. I appreciate that. Thanks a lot. It's good talking with you guys. Thank you. And Simon, I hope that uh, we get to uh, meet up uh, when our bands are playing on tour again sometime soon. Uh, no matter what band you're with, it'll be fun with Ace. <laughs> and my band's been opening up for Ace too now, so uh, maybe we'll all do a show together. That's cool. And that's a hell of a selection of guitars you got there, oh, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. These are, the, and believe it or not, Simon, I'm a drummer. That's why I'm like such a fan because I'm really a drummer. But now what? in my current band, I play guitar. So uh, yeah, I've got a lot of Les Pauls here. I used to work for Gibson. So uh, ah. that's why there's a bunch of Gibsons there. But <laughs> You must have a lot of picks. <laughs> I, yeah, I did. I got, I got a lot of guitars and a lot of picks. Simon, thank you again. And um, if you're ever back here in New York, uh, get in touch with us. We'd love to go have a beer together. And, and I'm going to call you when I'm back out in L.A. Sounds good, John. You take care, brother. Thank you, okay, Simon. Thank you so much. Cheers, Simon. Mark. All the best, Cheers. Mark. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Bye now. Simon. See ya. Yeah. All right. Simon Wright, ladies and gentlemen, legendary cool drummer. That, and I know we had some questions coming in on Facebook. I'm sorry oh, I didn't I'm get sorry, to guys. all those. But uh, we have another, to me, another legendary guy, Ron Keel, one of my one of my favorite rockers uh, throughout time. And he has a great new album out south by South Dakota. I have cool to go title. to the bathroom, John, because I, okay. I finished my beer and, and it, something happened. As soon as I turned 50, I, my bladder must have shrunk or something. <laughs> I, I, can't, I, I can't hold it like I used to. Sorry, is that too much information? <laughs> no, that's, that's all right. That's all right. Um, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to look on Facebook, and this is going to be a candid moment. We got about 10 minutes, uh, eight minutes before. Oh, God, see, see the sound is on. I want to take that down. And why don't I answer Facebook comments for the next five minutes. I'm going to put it on uh, mute so you can avoid hearing my dog and, and uh, people in my okay. house yelling. Um, and I will be right back in less than two minutes. A few minutes. Okay. And guys, here's what I'm going to do. I got my phone out. I got a computer, but believe it or not, I think it's easier for me to look at my phone and do this. So let's go down here. Okay. And I'm going to look at the comments. Um, if if they let me scroll, see that's that's the thing. Um, oh, Theo Wargo, uh, who I love, he's a great photographer. He just said Bon uh, for Bon Scott. That's great. Uh, David Quinn uh, really enjoyed everything. Vinny Galore uh, said hi, Simon. 
uh, Rich Sate fan, <laughs> Pete Break. Rich, you got to come down here and just hang out and watch us live sometime. If you're not uh, worried about the COVID, uh, come on down to my place in Jersey City. Uh, Rich just lives near here. Um, and uh, <laughs> Theo said, check your prostate. Um, let's see. You know what the strange thing about this Facebook comments is it's not as easy to read the comments as you, you would think it would be. Um, but um, And we have Angela uh, Crowley. She says, great show. Thank you, Angela. And um, uh, guys, we have a blast doing this. Uh, you know, uh, I have a, such a fun time doing this. And I'm used to looking at the screen and talking to someone. Uh, now I'm looking at the screen and talking to myself. But anyway, we have a, we have a great guest uh, coming up, Ron Keel. And let me, let me tell you about Ron. I first heard of Ron Keel when I uh, was in high school and my friends, uh, Don Reese and Mike Corsi uh, and Louis Kiss, and um, they, uh, they, they were um, maybe in high school. I, we were all in high school at that point. And, and they, they came to me um, with uh, basically here's how it happened. Mark, I'm telling a little story and then I'll fill you in. I'm telling how I first heard about Ron Kill. So I had these older friends that would come and tell me about music. And then I'd download all that to my uh, next door neighbor, Brian Borges and uh, the, the people in the neighborhood. And it was a, a cool thing. Jim Stevish and um, Bob Kovach. So what happened, Kurt Mangus, a lot, a lot of cool people. But uh, my friends, Mark, had uh, the Steeler album. And uh, Ron was on that. And uh, I believe Rick Fox and um, and Ingve, of course, was like the big thing. And my two friends, Mike and Don, were were guitar players. So they loved Ingve. And so that's when I first heard of Ron Keel. And then, um, being such a Kiss fan, uh, when Keel came out and they got involved with Gene Simmons, that was, you know, anything in Kiss related was something that I was like super into. And, and Mark, you know, I think you're. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I just. And you know that, it, it, that, that Keel record, which technically was the second Keel record, Right to Rock. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, the Right to Rock. Uh, that album very much had Ron Keel's personality uh, all over it, but there's also some, uh, Gene was heavily involved in that too. And you can hear some of Gene's personality on that too, which was right. always something I liked about uh, Gene's production that he always threw a little bit of himself into the yeah. bands. And you heard that with, uh, you know, Black and Blue and, and Keel. And um, I, I I know that smashed Gladys. Uh, mm -hmm. He produced them too, right? And can you before Ron joins us, which probably is going to be in um, any minute or second here, can you just uh, talk about Smash Gladys and and we we lost Sally, right? Who yeah. Was, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Smash Gladys. Smash Gladys was a great band, and they got involved with Gene for the Social Intercourse record, um, and. Um, I believe that's the one Gene produced, and uh, um, I may be incorrect on that, but that's the one where I learned all the songs on that record because I played one show with them. But Smash Gladys was a great band. Um, Bart Lewis and Sally uh, Cato, the late Sally Cato, who just recently passed away, and uh, it's such a shock. Um, they formed the group together uh, with a lot of other great musicians from New York, and um, they were a great band. I really think that they they were on the level of a Guns N' Roses or, or an L.A. Guns or any of these bands. They were like a like a New York version of, of that style of music, and um, 
you know, I really wish I was in New York City at that time period when they were going strong uh, because it would have been great to see them back in their heyday. I played with Smash Gladys a little later in their career uh, for a Hell's Angels benefit at Labor in Brooklyn. And I, I spent a lot of time with Sally and Bart and um, the other members of the band, but mainly Sally and Bart. And they taught me, both Sally and Bart, so much about music. Even, even the way that I go, if I go into the studio to play a drum track right now, I play it differently because of what I learned from those guys. And they taught me so much. And I, I, really, um, I, I really think they were great. Great band. Yeah, I'm trying to find out what, what one Gene produced for them. Yeah, uh, I don't check think it out. It was that social intercourse record. But it wasn't? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. Although, maybe it wasn't. Maybe that was, was it the on first his label one. or something. I don't know. You know, he was, maybe he didn't produce the record. Maybe he was working with them before social intercourse came out. I think that's what it was. Yeah, I it think says maybe he, he produced, here it is. He, he, he claims to have discovered them and he produced their 1985 demo. Is what I was is what I'm reading. Oh, hey, we've got Ron Kill and we've got the legendary vocalist Ron Kill joining us. Hopefully, it's Ron. I can't tell. He's got the mask yeah. on there. <laughs> Maybe Ron. <laughs> Good evening, boys. Ron, how Ron, are you, man? How are you? <laughs> Great, man. Great. We've got the metal cowboy. It's definitely Ron Kill, even with the mask. We can tell by the tattoos. Man, I have enjoyed I've enjoyed the first hour of the show with Simon Wright. What a great interview and great discussion with Simon. We have so many uh, common threads between Simon and I with Dio and, and some of the guys, Jimmy Bain, that you talked about. Yeah, I'm wearing the mask, well, not because I haven't trimmed my beard in the last week, but because I'm going to go out looting and pillaging later on this evening. <laughs> So I don't want any facial recognition. Right, right. right. <laughs> Ron, Ron, thank you so much for coming. And I love that you've got the um I love that you've got the graphic on your computer right now. Absolutely. You. Awesome. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Awesome. So oh, yeah. Uh, Ron, thank you so much. Uh we had it I know that you've known Mark for many years, but I had the chance to meet you in it uh no, that wasn't Atlanta. Where what city was that? It was that Atlanta. The Atlanta oh, that was Kiss Atlanta. Expo. Yeah. Yes. Oh, with, yes, that uh, was Vinnie Atlanta. Vinnie Benson as the special guest. And yes. great to see you again, John. And thank Mark you. Striegel. Thank you. God, and, thank you guys so much for having me on tonight. We're going to have a good time. I don't know if I can follow the Simon Wright interview, but I'll do the you, best you, I can. You can, can absolutely. Great discussion. You can. Uh, you know what, Ron? Uh, you have so much history that we want to get into, but I want to tell you, uh, that the South by South Dakota record is great. I, every song is awesome. The the Credence medley. We're gonna get into all this, but I'm just telling you that I love this record, and I it did something for me. I'm sincere about this. That not any other recent album has done. It got me excited about music again. Man, that means a lot to me, and that's what it's all about. Releasing an album that uh, makes us remember why we fell in love with rock and roll and, and music in the first place. And so many bands release a cover album to fill time between major releases or because, well, we don't have any new songs. Let's do a cover album. This new album was totally organic and, and natural in the studio as we we're warming up for the fight, like a band sessions last year, we just go in the studio and start rocking out to flirting with disaster or, Rocket into the night from 38 Special, and 
I realized after three or four days that my producer, Mike Dresch, was recording the, the sessions. Nice. And I said, let, let me hear that back. Let's listen back to that. And I heard some of those raw, basic takes and realized, man, this is the foundation of something very special. And we can pay tribute to, to some of those classic rock slash Southern rock icons. And then we started adding songs to the list and rounded out the whole album. And it was basically a different, a different project than I've ever done in my life. I've always gone into the studio with a game plan and a, and a blueprint. And Gene Simmons, as you discussed, producing Gene Simmons as a producer, he taught me to always be prepared, have your pre-production done, have your kick patterns and your bass lines all lined up. And with this record, there was none of that. That was just a bunch of guys in the studio having a good time playing music that we love. And I think that shows on the recordings that we're listening to now with South by South Dakota. Absolutely. And I was listening to this record the last few days and I, again, just love it. I love the 38 special cover flirting with disaster. I mean, one of my all time favorite songs and you do a great job with it. Uh, excellent. Who's playing guitar again? Cause the guitar part is spot on. Well, there's uh, a lot of guitars on these Southern rock records. Yeah. Uh, what I love about <laughs> the, the guitar structures of these songs is there's multiple, sometimes there's three part harmonies. Uh, D.C. Cawthorn, Steve Purcell, Jason Haven, and myself all playing guitar at the same time. Wow. And uh, that's, uh, you're, you're building some big guitars yeah. on, on a record like this, like we did back in the 80s with the Somebody's Waiting track and all those records we did with Michael Wagner. He taught me how to stack up guitars. And I just have taken it to a new extreme with this South by South Dakota record. Yeah, great. It's a great listen. We highly recommend it. Now, I called John earlier today and we were talking about the record and he was like, you know what song I love? And you guys got to fill me in on this. It's a Skinner song, Red, White and Blue. And I, I heard the song in the record. I'm a pretty big 70s era Skinner fan. I don't know that song. Tell me about this song. Oh, dude. I love you. you got the guitar from the video. Well, that sounds great. Once we decided, after four or five takes, I listened back to the, to the tracks and, and realized we've got the foundation of something very special here. We've got to make a Southern Rock tribute record, and we've got to include each one of those iconic Southern Rock legendary bands. Right. Like Molly Hatchet, Skinner, Allman Brothers, Marshall Tucker Band, 38 Special. Uh, Red, White, and Blue was one of the songs that I've been doing in the show for years. Wow. I didn't even realize that it was a top 30 hit for Skinner back in 2003. But we've been doing it in the show. And rather than tread on sacred ground like Sweet Home Alabama or Give right. Me Three Steps or Freebird, let's, let's we got to include a Skinner song, but let's do the one that we've been doing on stage for the last five years. And it, it just resonates. You know, uh, Johnny and, and Donnie Van Zandt wrote the song in 2001, right after the 9-11 attacks. And it still resonates with us. Today, I think Red, White, and Blue is, is as strong and as powerful as, as it ever was. Um, to record Absolutely. that song and, and, and include that song on the record and have the new video for Red, White, and Blue, making so much, uh, well, it's getting a lot of attention. 
it, it means a lot to us that uh, we can record that song and hopefully the guys in Skinner have heard it and will approve and know that I'm just trying to pay tribute to one of my heroes or one of my favorite bands of all time. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a great song, Ron. And I, I love the, the way you guys make it your own. And, and I, I wanted to talk about the video, uh, which is just an amazing video. And the thing that I loved about it is that each of you guys were in a different setting and you were at places in South that you were at landmarks in South Dakota and then other cool things like on top of a Kenworth truck or in front of a jet. And I'm telling you, I haven't saw a video or heard a song that made me feel like that has. And I'm, I swear, this is a thing we do in Pennsylvania, cross your heart, right hand up to God. It's like when you put your hand on the Bible, I, that's what I do. And, and I'm telling you that this song did something to me when I heard it. Thank you. It means a lot to me. Thank you so much. And I had no idea when we cut the song or when we filmed the video that it would resonate so much in times like these. Right. We had to obviously socially distance at the time. And so I took every guy in the band and filmed them at a different location the lead singer, of course, got Mount Rushmore because he's the lead singer. Yeah, right? yeah. I was going to say, you got the best location. <laughs> the, dude, I'm telling you, the day that we filmed that footage was just so surreal because you go to Mount Rushmore on the first beautiful day of spring in April on a Saturday afternoon, and you pull in, and there's nobody in the parking. Uh, yeah, no one there. It's 10 bucks to park. Just pull right in. Free parking. Pull in. There's nobody there. No security guards. No nobody at the gift shop. Wow. And wow. To be able to to go in there and I just well, there's nobody here. I jumped the fence right. and I filmed <laughs> my footage in front of Mount Rushmore on a day that uh, you're never going to get a, a an opportunity like y- that. Yeah, again. it's and, it's a and, once and, in a lifetime situation to be able to do that, and yeah. you captured it. The uh, footage we filmed of the keyboard player, our, our keyboard player, Dakota Scott Schmidt, at Terrace Park in Sioux Falls. That's a, a pretty special place for us in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where I live, because we do a, a benefit every every year there for uh, Feeding South Dakota. It's a charity event we do there. And normally you go there on a Saturday afternoon, and it's going to be packed with families picnicking and kids playing on the playground and all that. And the day we went there to film his footage, there's nobody there. It, it wow. was uh, just, uh, at a, I'm not a fan of the lockdown. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, but it certainly gave us the opportunity to film an epic music video for Red, White, and Blue. Yeah, and it is definitely epic, let me tell you, for sure. Thank you. Right on. And I did want to give a shout out to another great album that is fairly recent, right? <laughs> How old is this right now, Ron? Hey, last year, brother. Last, last year. year. Yeah, last, last year. Last year. And, so many and, great tunes on this. Girls Like Me, uh, which had a video to that, too. That was a, that's a <laughs> great video. Um, the title track, I love, Long Way Down. Great album that I highly recommend. Less About a year old right now. And this is uh, the Ron Keel Band, right? Fight like a band. So uh, apparently I've like- not sent you the new album yet, Mark, but I, I'll get one in the mail to you right now. It is uh, South by South Dakota. Oh, oh there you go. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Cool. I and love I did, it. Man, you know, Ron, we have, the sales have been off the root, off the charts. I cannot believe the response we've gotten to this new record. And 
the only apprehension I had about releasing a new album at this time, because I know it's a great time for new music, right. for people to enjoy the songs and the performances on this record. But I was just apprehensive about asking people to shell out their hard-earned cash for it, because so many of our friends, our family, our 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 neighbors, our friends and fans are, are out of work or unemployed. And right. to ask them to shell out, uh, you know, fourteen fifty or whatever it is for the album was the toughest part of the whole deal. I knew I knew the music was perfect for, for this time. And one reviewer called it comfort food for the ears, which yep. I'm really proud of. But I, I saw that one, and that's one hundred percent true. And and at this time, that's needed. Exactly. For sure. And we tried to make it as economical as possible and uh, keep the price as low as we could online at ronkeel.com. But you get the eight-panel digipack. Oh, wow. With the full fold-out and also the uh, autographed poster, which is cool. I've never had a package this cool. Yeah. Oh, life. yeah. Yeah. Run. That is. Yeah. I love that you did a packaging like that. And I mean, for the money, that's worth it because, you know, a lot of things you open up the CD, you get like a piece of paper, yeah, one that's, sheet. That's. Oh, my God. That is amazing. By Ron Keel. It's really cool. I got to tell you the story about the album cover because, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the 80s style album packaging and the album cover means a yeah. lot. Uh, and the train has always right. been a part of our motif. It's always been a part of our our brand. We have a train built into our drum riser, which yeah, smoke and lights that. up, which is really cool. The train and train train is the opening track on the record. Right. And so I'm looking for an image of a train for the new album cover. Got to find a train. It's got to be a train, right? So I'm looking online, Googling trains or Photos, <laughs> images, artwork, whatever. I found thousands of pieces of artwork that, that just didn't work for me. And I found this one. And it was uh, a piece from a video game from 2005 or no, 2015. It was like five years old. And I, I said, I've got to track down this artist. And I went through the, it, there was no email link or no way to track down the artist who did this yeah and i tracked him down i finally found him in the south of france this, oh guy's, my God. <laughs> this guy very reclusive he's an artist right he's an artist right right you can't Tracked find him, him. Down. i found him in the south of france and i said look dude i want this picture for my album cover how much is it going to cost me and he it was days, three or four days later that he finally emailed me back. He says, dude, I'm a huge Rod Keel fan. I love what oh, you did in the God. 80s. I, I, you know, he's a Keelaholic. And he offered the artwork to us at a very economical rate. And nice. he's part of, the, part of the team, part of the family. But to find this it. guy in the south of France in the middle of Unbelievable. nowhere. Awesome. He's, he's probably blown on, away when he sees an email from Ron Keel coming in. He's not How on Facebook. Crazy is that? He's not on Facebook or social media, or there's no website, there's no nothing. It, it was a, a, a pretty serious effort to that, track that's this guy down. That's a magical moment, in my but, opinion. Yeah. That's a and to find magical. him and say, dude, I want this trade on my album cover. How much is it going to cost me? He says, 
you go ahead, dude. It, it hits kill fast. Awesome. Ron, let me tell you, that, and Mark, I'll let you go. I, I just got to tell you, that that train, the drum riser, which is a train with that, what, it, what is that called on the front of a train that is on the bottom there? It's like uh, the a grill? cow catcher. A cow oh, catcher. Yeah, cow catcher. Oh, okay. Because yeah. it pushes wow. the cows off the tracks. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That is, the, the, the album cover is amazing. The drum riser and stage is amazing. And I love that. I just got to tell you, I love that. I love trains yeah, when I was a kid. I really the did. The trains have been I part of our nothing. thing, man. I, so I used to want, you remember those, those striped hats that conductors would wear or maybe the driver a train i always wanted to dress like a train driver when i was a kid i swear to god not, not too late john maybe the I next know, I could, that's show, my next like i have a band called like it my next image i'll, yeah. I'll wear the the conductor hat <laughs> there you go well you so, are definitely the engineer of my evening tonight on uh, talking metal so that's all that matters Absolutely. man i appreciate so, you guys having me on the show oh you bet uh, what a great time mark striegel has been uh a huge part of my career since the VH1 MTV days. Right, that's when, true. I'm like Jekyll and Hyde. I'm like Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And Ron, you're you're, you're amazing. And and Ron, you, uh, you know, like I said, I've been a fan uh, since since back in the 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 day, the Steeler days. But and then and then, uh, of course, I had the Kill Records, and then with your association with Gene Simmons, that was a, a big deal. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was super cool. And and I think it's amazing that you're you're from the South. You uh, and then you moved out to LA, and you lived that whole. You know, you're friends with the Motley Crue guys and all these guys, and and then you did a country thing for a while, which was awesome. And now you're doing like a mix of just everything that molds into all of your influences. Life is about exploring new territory, man. You know, and, and when you find a place to call home, you got to stay there. I've been there for 20 years now since my band Iron Horse and. Gosh, to, uh, 1999, I was in Italy. I lived in Italy for a year. And during my time there, I wrote a, a crop of songs that before I left Italy, I wanted to record these tunes to basically create an audio scrapbook of my time in Italy. And me and the guys in the band, I had a three-piece band at Mama Elio's Pub in Sigonella, Sicily, Italy. Wow. An amazing experience because being the house band, three nights a week, and I was making a million a week. A million a week. That was a million lira. It's like 200 bucks, right? Yeah. <laughs> but... The the thing was the Italian audience. We had pretty much the audience was half Italians and half U.S. Navy. Uh, it was right across wow. the street from the uh, uh, NAS to Sigonella Navy base, and so we had a lot of uh, American military there. I'd been on tour with the DoD. I worked for the Department of Defense for several years in 1998, 1999, 2000, touring the the Mediterranean and Europe, entertaining our troops on those wow. military bases and just an amazing experience working for the DOD, entertaining our military uh, servicemen and service women on those bases. But after the tour was over, I'd been on the road for seven years and I was burned out and I was done, ready to, to hang out on the beach and drink wine and eat pizza 
<laughs> after about three weeks, I got I got the itch to play and sing. So I started doing this gig at Mama Elio's Pub in Sigonella, Sicily, of all that places. That is amazing. And and we did that that house gig for for six months, um, and we would play all all styles of music. We would play country and rock. We ended the show every night with Stairway to Heaven. Uh, we would play whatever we wanted to play. The audience was just gravitated to the voice. The Italian people, especially the voce, el voce. It was it was the voice that that grabbed wow. them. And plus, they would drive for hundreds of miles around to see the crazy American with the headset microphone jumping yeah. around <laughs> on the table singing, and <laughs> just an amazing experience. So while I was there, I wrote a batch of songs, and. Before I left Italy that summer, I, I wanted to go in the studio and record an audio scrapbook of the songs I'd written while I was there. Basically, just a, a self-indulgent project, uh, not for, for business purposes. Or just I just wanted to record these songs. And once we got done with the session, I went back to the bar. Okay, it's, you know, it's midnight. <laughs> I've had a few. And I go back <laughs> to the bar, and I tell the bartender, put the CD in the player, crank it up. And he puts the CD of the demo in the player. And wow. there's a guy on the left of me. He's in a, I don't know if they were Italian guys or Navy guys, or it was Americans and Italians both in the bar. But the guy on the left said, man, that's great country music. I love country music. That's fantastic. And the guy on the right says, man, that fucking rocks. Yeah. And the, right. this guy thinks it's country. It's country, right. And this guy thinks it's rock. I think I've got something here. This is yeah. a blend or a hybrid, something special that maybe could be my future or a comfortable place for me to, to call home, so to speak. So I formed a band called Iron Horse in 2000, and we, we had a lot of dreams come true at that time. But the style of music hasn't changed even though the band name has changed from Iron Horse to Badlands House Band to Ron Keel Band, that style of music, that Southern rock hybrid, which you, I mean, right. and that's the best uh, description for it. If you, if you combine metal and country and you want a, a, a simple description for it, it's, it's Southern rock, even though that geographical right. term doesn't do it justice because this is human rock. This is, uh, it doesn't matter if you're from Mississippi or Montana or California. Right. This music resonates within the hearts and souls of everybody. And I can proudly say on this new album, South by South Dakota, these are great songs because I didn't write any. Right. I mean, they're, they're you, great you write songs. great songs, but these are all amazing songs as well. Yeah. And and the thing I like is that you do put, you know, there. I can hear a little metal influence. I can hear Southern influence. I can hear... Uh, the, what you said, it's a perfect hybrid, which creates its own thing. Exactly. I'd be interested to hear Mark's opinion because you've heard both records. I know you love Fight Like a Band, Mark, and right. I appreciate yeah, that. Definitely. But to me, this album is more metal than Fight Like a Band was. I, I can How do you see feel that. About I, that. I can see that. I mean, um, yeah, I'm, but uh, maybe, yeah, maybe a little more like 
straight ahead hard rock, you know, on full for, for whereas fight like a band has a lot of diversity, you know right. what I mean? That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, so, but, but both great records and, and, you know, you've been putting out so much music consistently through the years. I do want to quickly mention uh, Patreon, where you do an amazing job <laughs> for us Keel fans who support you on, on Patreon, giving us so much stuff. I mean, I don't want to go into the whole, you know, uh, Black Sabbath thing because I know you've shared that with me before, but but like the I was blown away when you threw up the actual demo for us patrons on Patreon to hear of your Black Sabbath audition, right? That was that was basically what that That's was. It, yeah. That was yeah, exactly. Spencer Prophet is that is that was the guy who did that, right? Uh, Spencer Proffer was Pro the executive right. producer and my manager during the time that I was involved with Black Sabbath and. Uh, Dana Strum produced the demo. Right on, but, right on. So, anyways, Patreon, Ron Keel's Patreon oh, is is highly recommended. Highly recommended. And every time I have on. Ron on, I got to start talking about the um, <laughs> Stealer record, and of course, the Right to Rock, Rock record. And believe it or not, Ron, I still have more. I probably asked you twenty questions on those records already, and I still have more. But let's talk about the album in between the, those records. Uh, one that I really love to this day. Can you God share you. About this record? <laughs> yeah. now, now, this was Mike Varney still involved, who, of course, was involved with Steeler. Um, he produced this, right, Ron? No, Ron Keel produced that. Look at the back cover, and it says, produced by Ron <laughs> Keel. And that was a testament to Varney. He gave me the latitude to produce that oh, yeah. produced first by Ron Keel record Keel. Yeah. on my own. But it was and, on. Uh, it was on his label, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah okay. And that that right. uh, certainly got her got Gene Simmons' attention and the attention of a lot of people in the business. And that was uh, look at that album cover. That got my attention as a fourteen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you post that if you post that album cover on Facebook, it'll get blocked or wow, or whatever you call it. Wow, because it's <laughs> I don't know, uh, but. It was a, you know, it resonates still to this day. The the late on the law, the revolt, the that rock and roll was built upon. I mean, the uh, stance against authority that uh, laid on the law. We are the law. We are we are rockers. We are uh, we are the future. We're the the metal generation, so to speak. And uh, that record is certainly very special to me in a lot of ways. It got lost in the shuffle because during the sessions, we got signed to Gold Mountain A&M Records. And all of a sudden, Gene Simmons was producing our major label debut before that album was even released. So wow. it did kind of get, not I guess, lost in the, in the storm of that Right to Rock release, which happened in January of 80. Five, but Late on the Law has become a very special part of the Keel legacy and a very special record for a lot of our fans who love those original versions of the songs. Yeah, because three, what was it, three of the songs were then repeated on on the Right to Rock record. That's correct. Yeah, because we got, songs cover. we got signed and all of a sudden I'm sitting there with Gene, Gene Simmons, and we had no new songs except... A basic riff record, live recording of the right to rock music and I sat there with Gene in his hotel room at the Beverly Hills Hotel and 
played the cassette for him and sang the the vocal. There's no vocal on the cassette tape. It's just music. Wow. So he sang Gah. along with it. So I sang along with the cassette tape in Gene's face. And this is a guy who seven years before that, he was spitting in my face. I'm the I'm the guy in the front row at yeah. my first concert at Tarrant County Convention Center, seeing Kiss, my first concert ever as a teenager. And I'm right in the front row because I'm the biggest, tallest guy. And I fought my way to the front row. And I'm <laughs> right there in front of Gene Simmons. And he's spitting blood on me. And I feel the heat of his flames when he breathes fire. Seven years later, we're sitting side by side in the studio recording wow. this Right to Rock album. What an amazing experience and memory for me. But uh, he told me, he looked at me when we cut this record, and he looked at me and said, you know, you're going to be singing this song for the rest of your life, right? And I go, uh, and I'm still wow. singing it. He was right. Yeah, Gene is yeah. right. Rule number one, Gene's always right. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> God, what a, what a huge influence on me and a great inspiration even to this day, the last time I saw Gene, a couple of years ago here in Sioux Falls, kissed at an Unplugged concert at Badlands Pond. I remember that. And uh, I'm on the radio. I'm in the, I'm in the radio booth doing my DJ gig, got the headphones on, uh, doing my shtick on the radio. Uh, I saw Gene and Paul and, and Eric and Tommy walk into the, the building, and they're all out there kind of browsing in the lobby of Badlands Pond. And I played a song. I probably played a seven-minute song so I could take a break and take the headphones off and go out there. I walked out the door, and Gene Gene saw me and just opened his arms. And he walked up to me, and he put me in this big, huge bear hug. He didn't say shit, man, just just this big, huge, strong, powerful hug. And that meant so much to me after all these years after 35 years of uh my appreciation for him you know i'm a very very small thread in the tapestry of gene simmons or kiss or or that whole thing but he is a big big part of the fabric of my career and to uh to have gene walk up to me he didn't say shit man he just put me in a big huge and he wouldn't let go and he squeezed as tight as he could it was like Gene, uh, I have nothing but love and respect and admiration and gratitude for what Gene did for me and for my career. Uh, that first record, of course, Gene produced it. The the musical knowledge and expertise that he passed on to me is invaluable. How to make a great record, how to sing, how to record, how to get those kick drum patterns engaged with the bass guitar patterns, how to really put the songs together. That's invaluable. That's always going to be with me. Uh, the, uh, the friendship, the, the business that he passed on to me, and the fact that when that record came out in uh, January of 1995, the Kiss Army embraced us. And you guys are both yep. members, I know. Absolutely, no doubt Army about it. Kiss Army embraced us. Uh, it's a great song. Right to Rock is a fantastic uh, all-time classic 80s rock anthem. The album cover itself is one of the greatest album covers of all time. The fact that MTV was playing it on uh, MTV every day. Right. But I give full credit to Gene, man. The the Kiss Army wow. embraced us because Gene produced us. We sold 90,000 records that first week. and. Wow. It, w- it was off. It was on. It was off. Whatever. It was uh, 
It's the start of an amazing ride that uh, is still continuing to this day. And I've been asked a lot of times in interviews, will you do another keel record? Uh, because I'm always doing the, the Ron Keel band's been my primary focus for five years now, five years, half decade straight. Ron Keel band is what it's all about. That's my focus. That's what it's all about. And we did a reunion album in 2010, Streets of Rock and Roll, which I feel is the best Keel record ever. I'm extremely proud of that record we released on Frontiers in 2010. And would you follow that up? Would you do another Keel record? I'll give you the answer right now. I'll do it if Gene produces it. Oh, all right. That's awesome. You know, and I don't care how much it costs. He's worth it. Right. I will do I will do a keel finale, keel over, whatever you want to call it. I'll do another keel album with Gene. That's Absolutely. awesome. Well, we're going to have to make sure Gene sees this so that he can <laughs> produce your record. And, you know, I think the coolest thing is that when you were in that hotel room in the Beverly Hills Hotel, he heard that right to rock and said, you're going to sing that song for the rest of your life. Because he knew right then, even on a cassette demo, with it. you singing live to it. Hey, he Ron, let me, let me ask you something. That, that specific song, I, I remember seeing the video for it as a kid, but I didn't have MTV because we didn't have cable in our town. Was it on Friday Night Videos? Does that ring a bell to you? It was on all those shows, Friday Night Videos and Saturday Night Live. No, it wasn't on Saturday Night Live, but- Friday night, because I believe I taped it on my beta. It must have been on Friday night videos, because I didn't have cable either, and I saw the Right to Rock video, so. Well, it (laughs) it certainly got a lot of exposure and a lot of play, which helped us at that time. But I give all the credit to Gene. I mean, that that the song, the album cover, the uh, obviously the exposure that we had back in the day with, we only had a couple of outlets. Circus Magazine, Cream, Hip Parader, MTV. That was it. And right. uh, you got all your sources from those. We all, as rock fans and metal fans, mm-hmm. that's what we that's where we got our information from. Nowadays, you get it from a million different sources, and that's right. why everybody has two hundred fans. Uh, yeah, but, but uh, <laughs> back then it was it was instantaneous. If you get one play on MTV or Don Kirshner's rock concert or American Bandstand or or whatever. It was it was huge and it meant so much to to the artists and I'm lucky that I was in a place where I had the perfect storm with a great out al- a great album a great song Gene Simmons producing and a great album cover if you're flipping through the bands at the record store and you see that right to rock album cover right you're gonna buy it I mean it's just that cool so <laughs> I'm really proud of that well it's it's amazing and i was one of those kids who went to the record store and bought the vinyl and i don't i didn't buy that many vinyl records of bands i have that record (laughs) absolutely i have the vinyl too and then you guys did a 20 what was it 25 year anniversary on on cd which uh had some cool bonus tracks on it oh yeah so cool dude yeah i was just talking about that on my patreon today we're gonna release tomorrow on patreon the unreleased track from the Japanese edition of the 25th anniversary edition of the street of the uh, right to rock album reason to rock, which was a bonus track on the record. Uh, So yeah, to have frontiers come back and re-release that on our 25th anniversary. And what are we looking at now? I I lost count. Is it 
38. I don't, uh, I don't know. I can't, I I can't keep track. What is it? Uh, it's night. It's 2020. Definitely. Uh, and that came out in 84, 85, 85. You do the math. 35, so 35, 35, 35 years. Nice, nice, even number. 35 years. I like that. I I love looking back. I love looking back and, and I appreciate the accomplishments. The dreams come true. The, the records, three albums on the billboard charts, touring with Bon Jovi and Motley Crue and opening up for Van Halen at the Texas jam and Aerosmith at their comeback show at Foxborough stadium, uh, Sullivan stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. Wow. Wow. For Aerosmith. Wow. So many, so many dreams come true, Run. but I, I live for today. I work for tomorrow. I treasure the past. The past is great, man. The eighties are fantastic, but, uh, 1866 was great. I didn't get to experience that, but when you right. could, you know, frontier justice, I think we need a little bit of that right about now. <laughs> we won't, we won't get into the social issues. Uh, hopefully right. we could, if you want, but, uh, I mean, the 60s were amazing. The Beatles and the Stones, the 70s were great. The 80s were great. 2020, I know that everybody is, and I see this every year on social media because we're all social media addicts now and we have right. to be tied into that. Uh, and everybody's always hoping for a better year next year. Or 2020 sucks. I feel guilty. I feel guilty even saying that 2020 has been great to me. Um, Good for you. Yeah. We had the Monsters of Rock cruise in February. Right. Got to see Cozumel in Belize. We mm-hmm. were on the cruise with uh, Tesla and uh, so many of other our favorite bands for the, the, the 10th Monsters of Rock cruise. I got to experience Australia for the first time in my life. Uh, my first tour of Australia on the Melodic Rock Fest tour, five shows. And no matter what you may have heard or seen on social media, the tour was great. The shows were great. The fans are fantastic. The response from the Australian fans about the new album, South by South Dakota, is off the chain. Uh, So that was an amazing dream come true for me to be able to tour Australia for the first time ever. And then I expected to be home from mid-March to mid-April working the new record and doing interviews and working on new songs and rehearsing and uh, doing my, my thing at home. It's now, it's now hitting, hitting a little harder because some of the gigs have been canceled and uh, we weren't able to do the shows over Memorial day weekend that we were hoping to do, but uh, it's been a great year for me already. And I I feel bad for the people that have, that are struggling or suffering or dealing with, uh, COVID-19 or the civil unrest or all the stuff that everybody out in the real world is dealing with. But for me, it's been really good, man. Uh, the new album, very, it was very tough to, to make that decision to release an album at this time. Not because of the touring aspect, but because, first of all, how do we ask our, our friends and our fans and our people out there to, to shell out 14, 15 bucks for the new record when they're unemployed or maybe out of work or struggling or uncertain of, of what's going on in the world. Uh, that was the difficult part for me. And the response has been overwhelming to say the least. I'm looking at the sales sheets and I'm looking at it. I'm seeing Keel fans 
from 20, 30 years ago that I remember their names. Yeah. And they're buying the new record wow. and they're enjoying it and they're giving me this great response. So I feel I, bad even asking people for, hey man, buy my shit. You know, send me some money and I'll send you a CD. Uh, that was the only apprehensive part of it because I know that the world, our culture, our society, our people, our fans, our friends, they need what I've got right now. This right. music right. is perfect for the uh, for, for grilling outside, for four-wheel driving in your truck, or for like, just just listening to to be the soundtrack of your summer of 2020. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, I'm proud of the, the response that we've gotten, and uh, I appreciate all the fans that have sheltered their hard-earned cash, or cash they may not have even had to buy this Ron, new record I think and enjoy it. I, I, I understand that you were feeling bad, but I think you should erase that because here's the thing. I think that it's doing more to help the people because this was the soundtrack of their lives growing up and – they're hearing these songs that they love yeah. done by an artist that they're a fan of. You get amazing packaging. And I know what it takes to put together one of those multi-fold uh, jewel boxes or, or whatever, jewel, whatever that's called. And um, I mean, you're getting an amazing thing. You're getting signed posters. The songs are great, which I want to hit a little more. I yes. love the title. I love the cover. You put so much work into this for years and and the biggest thing is that it's making the people that are buying this feel happy in this difficult time. And for that reason, you should feel great about this. Thank well you. said, John. And, and Ron, where can people get this? Is it, is it uh, on the website? It's everywhere, right? It's on Amazon. Well, yeah. The, the one-stop shop is ronkeel.com. Uh, the links to the store and the Spotify, iTunes, whatever your platform of choice is, you can find that at rodkeel.com. There's links to all that stuff. If you want to listen on Spotify, that's great. We love it. Uh, iTunes, the you want an autograph CD, ronkeelshop.com. But everything is tied into that one-stop hub ronkeel.com cool and we will have that linked through the show notes on talkingmetal.com for the podcast version of this and ron it's always great talking with you we love hanging with you uh john and i are both big fans you know, from, from the old days i love the ron let's hear some great acoustic guitar for a few minutes for a minute i love you guys man thank you so much for keeping Thanks, the fire ron. burning and doing what you're doing to keep thank rock you. and roll alive we don't have no plastic LA friends Ain't on the edge of no popular trends Ain't ever seen the inside of that magazine chain We don't care if you're a lawyer Takes his old man Some waiters busting ass in some liquor stand If you got soul, we hang out with people just like you My hair's turning white Next always been red Color still blue We've always been here Just trying to sing the truth to you Yes, you could say
smoking camels and drinking domestic brews. You want to know where I've been? Just look at my hands. Yeah, we flew by the White House, spent some time in jail. Mama cried, but she still wouldn't pay my bail. I ain't been no angel, but even God, he understands. I hope so. Mark Striegel, Sean Astronomy, for having me on the show tonight. That's awesome, Ron. Yeah. Sounds amazing. Love that. My hair's turned in white. Nick's always been red. Color's still blue. But always been here. Trying to sing the truth to you. Guess you could say we've always been red, white, and doesn't just mean America. It means all of us around the world that believe in the same thing or fight for the same thing. Friendship. Peace. Rock and roll. Ron, Ron, that was amazing. That was absolutely incredible. Wow. I wasn't expecting that. Thank you for that. Well, I usually keep a guitar handy. <laughs> yeah. Ron, you, you are such a great musician to be able to do that right there and then live. I love that song. I love the words. The lyrics are really great. And you doing it, and, and especially since you've been around the world with the DOD doing what you did, uh, means even more. Thank you. Thank you. It means a lot to me to, to be on the show with you guys tonight. You know, Striegel has been a, a, a dear friend of mine for a long time. Likewise. And, uh, he's like Jekyll and Hyde, this guy. Yeah, I am like Jekyll and Hyde. I'm Jekyll and <laughs> <I know>. Hyde. <laughs> I he looks normal that. like one day, and then he's a rocker the next day. <laughs> it's one of the highlights of my entire career, Mark, that VH1 clip. Right. And I uh, can't thank you enough for your friendship and your support through the years, man. Thanks for having me on the show tonight. I hope that your listeners and viewers enjoyed it. I surely did. And I'm, I only had one beer. Wow. Oh, beer the go get another one, man. I'm, yeah. ready, I'm ready for a refill. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Cheers to you, Ron. And to Ron. And I get, Ron, before we let you go, I get fast non-music related question. Is there a hard rock casino in Sioux Falls? 
right outside of Sioux Falls, 20 minutes away, Grand Falls Casino in okay. uh, Larchmont, Iowa, where we had our CD release party for Fight Like a Band last year. And it was it's a great venue, a great casino, 20 minutes right outside of Sioux Falls. But uh, as of now, I don't know that they're having live entertainment yet mm. uh, or what the plans are for live entertainment in this region. I've got two gigs next weekend. And uh, I'm doing it's these are biker gigs, man. A lot, a lot of them are uh, bike events. Uh, I'm doing the Clark County Riders Motorcycle Run next Friday night, one week from right now, and then uh, an acoustic gig at the lake at Lake Madison Hillside Resort. Uh, who knows what the future of live music is going to be? And Mark, I saw your post just before we went on the air about the testing. Uh, yeah, it seems it seems a little too much <laughs> to me to have yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah, I saw that too. But yeah. getting into festival, it's fascinating what you guys do, and I want to certainly give a plug to your Patreon, Mark Striegel, uh, your Patreon page where we get to comment on songs and videos, whether they're classic or relevant or whatever, and all the stuff that you do on social media. I'm uh, riveted by some of the posts, and I get a lot of my information from you, uh, and that was a, a very intriguing post about the testing positive testing before you go to a concert uh dude what are we going to do with the nfl right i'm a huge football fan i love the nfl that's my one hobby that's the only sidetrack that i get from year to year what if one guy on one team tests positive are we going to cancel the season yeah Uh, yeah well Yeah, I I guess we don't know. One thing I do know is that we are going to be all rocking again live. The fans, the musicians are all going to be one again. I have no doubt uh, that that day is going to come sooner than later. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm optimistic. I like, I like to think maybe it could even happen this year. Everyone's like, oh, 2020 is a wash. Yeah, maybe not. We'll see. But you know, I, I, I know one thing. We're we're going to be rocking again because. Live music is my my life, and so many other people uh, just live for that. And that's why we're so thankful for people like you, Ron, who are, you know, you give us that live music, but even in this downtime, you're giving us new music. As John really said well earlier, I think it's, it's important at this time. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I love what I do. Everything that I do, the radio show, the podcast, the book, the Patreon, all that stuff, it's really all so that I can get on stage and be that guy. So I can grab the mic and the guitar and feel the energy of the crowd and sweat and pour my heart out and do what I do. It keeps me young, keeps me fresh, keeps me uh, viable. I don't know what, what, what more terms. It keeps, it keeps me me. And alive, yeah. If I if it keeps me alive, if I can't do that anymore, uh, wow! I've had some great memories and great dreams come true. Uh, I do hope for the best. I'm, I'm, as you know, Mark. I'm, I'm a very positive guy, and we've faced a lot of adversity over the last, you know, fifty years. And I'd like to think that we will experience that again together. And so I hope to see all of our fans and friends out there in the front row and uh, out there in the crowd and being able to do what we love to do. I'll hope for the best and keep working towards that goal. Right on. Well, thank you again, Ron. 
Yeah. And Ron, if they allow New York and New Jersey people out there to where you're doing gigs, Mark, let's get on a plane. One of these gigs, maybe not the next one, but one of these ones. And we'll, I swear to God, I'll fly out there to, to see you sing this and play this stuff live. Thank you, brother. Well, I'll fly to you. I'll, I'll just fly to your house. It seems like you got a lot of guitar. Oh so. yeah, you can, you, Ron. You can, <laughs> you can play. You can, you can use any of these on I tour, did. on stage, whatever you need. I got, Thank I got you, more in the next room too. So whatever you <laughs> nice. need, you this do. is your thing. If you're coming to this area, you want me to bring one, I'll bring it. But you got, just know that in the New York, New Jersey area, you got your whole guitar uh, arsenal. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. For sure. You guys man. are awesome. Thanks for keeping up the uh, the rock and roll spirit and doing what you do, not only in these difficult times, but you guys have been doing this for a long time. Talking right. metal has been a, a, a big part of our life and our culture for a long time. And Thank you, I, Ryan. I'm happy that it will be for a long time to come. And I'm glad to be a part of it again tonight. All right. You Thanks, be well, man. Ron. So Thanks so much. And we will catch up soon. <laughs> You got it. Thank you. Thank you, Ron. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Ron Keel. Ron. (laughs) All right, John. Thanks, Ron. Thank you, you. guys. I appreciate it. Take care. Man, that was just unbelievable. Wow, this is a very special show tonight. I I feel like we've we've really, uh, uh, just as a fan, I I think we've hit it out of the park. I'm sorry. Yeah own horn but yeah no, no, so we, John, we got a few minutes left here i want to ask you about your guitars because we've been going through all these beautiful okay. guitars that you have behind you there and i i gotta get in close to to look okay. at the uh what let's okay let's go with uh, it's on it would be my left so i guess it'd be your right it's like three in Okay. The uh, got the ace guitar. Which what one is that? This one. These are both ace, but this is the third one. That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. Let me pull this out. You know, it's hard to tell us about this because I know every one of your guitars tend to have a story, and I I love being a guitar guy myself. Obviously, got the Explorer back there. Uh, I I I just love hearing these stories. So fill us in on this. Thank you. Thank you. I'll tell you the truth. It's hard to follow Simon Wright and Ron Kill and the amazing performance by Ron Kill of the Red, White, and Blue song. Ah, God, that was just unbelievable. But I'll make this quick, guys. So um, this is a, a really special guitar to me. And you know what? It's Let me, Alexa, I got to change the lights here. Alexa, turn spotlights white. Okay. That's, Alexa, turn spotlights 50%. Okay. Alexa, turn spotlights 10%. Okay. okay. I want you wow. to see what it really looks like. So this is a Gibson Ace Fraley Budokan Les Paul. And the reason this is so special to me is not only was it the guitar that I saw Ace play in photos in from 1976 on, But um, the reason this is twice as special is that Ace gave one of his personal Budokan Gibson USA guitars to me as a Christmas gift. And how amazing is this? And uh, he was cool enough to sign it on the back of the headstock for me. So um, this is just something that... What's that? It was a Christmas gift from Ace. That's amazing. Yeah, and it's a cherry sunburst um, 
two-piece top, maple top, mahogany back, uh, super, super Grover pearl or pearloid, I'm not sure, mother of pearl tuners, uh, block inlays. Um, I think this is a rich light neck, uh, which is a, a, a substitution for ebony. Um, and uh, it's just it's just a, the classic guitar that you see Ace with in all the great Kiss pictures. And so if even if I just had this guitar, I, I would think it would be cool if I went to the Guitar Center or Sam Ash or Manny's or any of the great uh, historic stores or Music Haven, my favorite store in Johnstown, PA, uh, or Ford Music or University Music where I used to work. This would mean something. But the fact that Ace gave this to me as a Christmas gift, that means the world to me. And, and then he, that he signed it and, uh, you know, on the headstock, of course, uh, where I asked him to sign that on the headstock uh, was, just, was just super cool. How cool was that? Absolutely amazing. It looks amazing. And what a, what a story that Ace, I had no clue Ace gave you that. And my yeah. kids just ran down and turned the light on. So hold, hold on. <laughs> okay. Guys, you know, boy, after, after both of those interviews, I'm, I'm like, um, I, 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 I'm like at a loss for words. It's almost yeah, it's a, it's a, I'm a little emotionally drained because yeah, yeah, me too. I swear to God way in a good way. Yeah. Those, those in, were, in nice those were excellent interviews. And I have to admit, when when Ron played that that Skinner song, it, I, I was really moved. That was really amazing. yeah. I really was. I wish so, I had. So we won't go real late later. tonight. I, I guess Bud Friendly's not coming back. I wasn't sure if he was yeah. coming. Yeah. But um. Um. Yeah, I wanted to hold up a lighter, you know, because that was just such a. And that song's not really a ballad, but the way he did it on the acoustic guitar was great. If you hear the, um, I love that version. And that's a historic thing that Ron did that on Talking Metal. Yeah, I, you know, and it, it, it made me think, if we're going to continue doing these live streams, which I love doing, um, we could, in theory, I mean, it's hard to pull something off like that. I mean, Ron's so talented, but we could, in theory, ask people to, uh, hey, if you want to do a song acoustic, live yeah uh, on the stream be our guest which i think i think that could be that would be amazing yeah be that would be you got to be really good to do that like you know what i mean like i couldn't sit here with an acoustic guitar and be that good and sing and play guitar i just could not do it um you, ron that, that's when you know you got a real musician and and that's like what gene simmons uh, saw in ron and other other top people in the industry saw something in Ron early on, and, and that's why he's had a, a career that spanned uh, maybe, what, 40 years, uh, 45 years? You know, yeah. a long time in the – not 45. I don't want to make Ron older than he is. He's probably just a couple years older than us, if that. Um, and um, maybe he's younger than us. I don't know. Or same age. But he's, he's – uh, uh, pretty amazing and uh and ron uh he's just a great guy if you know some some of the personal stuff about ron he's such a good dude too uh you know right. he is an amazing guy uh and uh, i'm so happy that he came on the show and simon wright let me let's talk about simon wright too i mean how how many people do you know i mean i i, I am blown away by the fact that he played in acdc do ufo I mean, Queensryche. I mean, how crazy is this? That'd be like, like, hi, I'm a drummer. Oh, what band you in? Oh, I'm in right. uh, Kiss, Def Leppard, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden. Like, people would be like, what are you in? 
idiot? Like, you're lying. No, he played in all those bands. Well, Pearl is here. Hi, Pearl. I love Pearl. So we've had Ozzy on and now we have Pearl on. And I like how well behaved Pearl is. You might not, Ozzy died. No, no, I said we had Ozzy on in the past and now we've had Pearl on. Yeah, I thought you meant earlier tonight. And Emily's hanging out. Hi, Emily. Emily, just so you know, I hope you can hear this. People were screaming. I heard you shrieking. (laughs) Can Emily hear me? I was riding riding the mute button. No, it was happy. How how can Emily hear us? Because are you listening in headphones? No, I'm not. Okay, good. So, Emily, yeah, I know. Hi, Hi, Emily. How are you? Pardon my appearance. I worked an 11 hour work day and then, oh my God, I look terrible. (laughs) Um, I cooked dinner for my family and then I. (laughs) Look at that beautiful family. And then I watched a movie with my babies, including this one. And then I just put Uh, them to bed and I'm so tired. Yeah, we, John and I were just talking about how we, after this episode, it was an emotional episode. We're pretty drained. So we're probably going to wrap it up. Yeah. No, 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 no. I just wanted to say, I I, I shouldn't have even, oh my God. No, I'm glad you came on, Emily. I was going to ask Mark. I was going to say, where's Emily? Yeah, it's been a long day, but a beautiful day. And it's been a great day. It's been a great day. And Emily, uh, I don't know if you were watching or if you were busy doing other stuff, but you got to watch this episode. Pretty yeah, amazing. Ron busted out his guitar. I love Ron. I love Ron Keel. Hey, Ron. Yeah. I love right. you guys so much. I just so want to thank say you, hi. Emily. Yeah, thank, thank you, Emily. I, and we're going to yeah. probably be done in like 10 minutes. Or so. Let me put this guitar down real quick, Mark. Just John, so I don't have to hold do it. Do you want to do a brush with greatness or should we just call it a night? I'm good. You know what? Either way. I think we should we should do a quick brush with greatness, and then we'll call in tonight because the episode was so good, uh, and and we'll wrap it up and and then we'll start fresh next week. But right. let's do a brush with greatness, okay? So I, this is the segment where I quiz Mark on wild things, and sometimes it's that both of us did, and sometimes it's that Mark did. Yeah, encounters with greatness or fame is basically the theme of this. Right, right. It's a ripoff of a Letterman skit from the 80s, yeah. Okay. Now, I have one that I know about that's not rock, but I just think it's cool. Uh, and it you could technically classify it as rock, but uh, Susan Sarandon. Right, okay. Um, so I, I worked on... Boy, let me think. So it would have been, I, I, I want to say it was either the 15-year anniversary or maybe the the 20-year anniversary of the Rocky Horror Picture Show uh, documentary. So it was basically... Uh, I'm going to docu- get in close yeah. for this. Documentary celebrating that. What year did that, that movie come mm. out, by the way? Do we know? I don't know. <laughs> Rocky... Or let's just see, because because I could I, I I'm guessing it was a, yeah 75. So it would have been the 20 year anniversary of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I worked at VH1 and we did a um, special on it, and we interviewed everyone. Like I mean, everyone from the Rocky Horror Picture Show, many of who lived in the New York area where we were producing the the show for VH1. Um, 
And we went, we went to interview all these people. Everyone agreed to talk about the Rocky Horror Picture Show, except Tim Curry, the, the, you know, one of the main stars like of the, the main show. He yeah. <laughs> was embarrassed by it, which I always find crazy. Like when these stars, the biggest role of their life, they're right. ashamed of it. And they're like, uh, you know. Uh, and yeah, I, could, I mean, that's, that's a, actually a, such a great character. Yeah, yeah I, I, I could name some names of people, but I'm not going to do it uh, that I've actually had like personal encounters with who, uh, is, you know, OK, that's your biggest role. And you don't you don't want anyone to know about it, but I'm not going to go there. But anyways, so Tim, Tim wouldn't talk to us. And Tim in the 90s, no offense to Tim, but he was really not a big star in 1995. Susan Sarandon, on the other hand, in 1995, was the biggest star around. I mean, uh, you know, she had just so many massive movies from Thelma and Louise to, I mean, she was like the big, big star in of the late 80s, early 90s. So, and this is, I feel like the the climax of this story is going to be a dud, but, uh, but anyways, the rock and roll, uh, it's surely rock and roll. So anyways, I was working at VH1 and I had been out uh, drinking pretty heavily the night before the interview. And sometimes these interviews have early call time. So she invited us to her husband's uh, studio. And what was that guy's name? Tim Robbins, was that his name? Tim Roth or Ro- Ro- I don't know. Maybe Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins, yeah. Tim Robbins. They're divorced now. But uh, anyway, she invited us to her husband's studio in. Oh, like, was it? If it was, it wasn't Soho. Was it like Sixth Avenue? And yeah, it was more like um, it was more like the garment. Chelsea. Yeah, it was. Or it, oh, you said more garment district. Yeah, that's the way I remember it. It could have been Chelsea oh. though, like Union Square area, probably. So oh, okay. I guess Chelsea. I guess Chelsea. So, anyways, in Manhattan. So, anyways, I I I got there at like you know, eight a.m., which for for VH Oneers that was a very early time. I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah, I especially at that time. I mean, we, we I was of course at, at the company at the same time and. You know that's early for us. I I, I never got into work. Yeah, we may have been roommates at this point too. I had to come. Yeah. To but anyways, I <laughs> got is, there. Was... I remember, I was all grunged out. I had like kind of longer hair and looked like a bum, <laughs> which was which was cool in 1995. What was, well, I didn't hear what you said. You had long. I, said, hair I looked like a bum, like a grunge yeah. bum, which I said was right. actually considered cool, cool. in 1995. Yeah, yeah. And I get there, and she's she's no one's there. So I go into the I guess you call it the uh, you know. The, the area between where the main door is and where the door is like, is that, yeah. the, is, is that called the vestibule? Yeah. So I go okay. in there and I, I got a coffee and I'm all, I'm all hungover and tired and I just kind of crash and I'm just sitting there like leaning up against the wall with my eyes closed, kind of nursing a hangover and drinking a coffee. And I may have even kind of drifted off and all of a sudden the door flies open, boom, and she's like, oh, hello. And it's Susan Sarandon <laughs> and her assistant. I'm sitting on the floor, and I'm so embarrassed. And I stand up, I was like, <laughs> he was like, can we help you? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm Mark from VH1. We're doing an interview with you. Uh, yeah. I just I got here early uh, because the camera crew is coming. And she's like, oh, okay. And she was totally cool. Uh, That's great. It's like, you know, 20-something sl- 
uh, like grungy um, guy, like yeah, sleeping in her vestibule. And she was like, come on in. She's like, let's, yeah, have a seat. Let's, let's get all set up. And she was like, how are you today? Do you want a bagel? Like she was so like, like. Man. Now was this, was this like her own building or was this an apartment building? It was like, it was, it was, you know, it was like, it was Chelsea, like it was like New York. Town it was like, uh, it was like a loft. It was like, oh, a loft. okay. It wasn't her apartment. It was like a work loft that they, they, oh, okay. they, they had computers set up and they did their, their you know showbiz movie work. stuff there right yeah they had their little office of of people there um wow. big, big flat so th- that that's it pretty uneventful but we interviewed that's her. a great story yeah was she that? spoke so fondly about her time in rocky horror and and this was the person we figured would never talk to us because she was a hollywood like a real star yeah. superstar in 1995 and meanwhile it was the guy tim curry who was so mad that he had been typecast, you know, as, as Frankenfooter, uh, that that he he was the guy who wouldn't talk to us. Uh, so, anyways, we did uh, we did a little interview with her, um, and we used it in our half hour documentary. May have been an hour, I don't remember. On the uh, twenty twenty uh, or what did I say? Twenty year anniversary of Rocky Horror, and she spoke about you know I remember when I had to kiss Brad and blah blah blah, and she was so into Rocky Horror that I just thought it was so cool because, you know, Rocky Horror, it was kind of like a lot of people made fun of it and stuff, you know, it was kind of a geek thing, you know, and I could see, I could see people who wanted to be, be Joe Hollywood, not want to embrace that, but she absolutely did. I'm sorry. Well, Mark, I think that's a great story. uh, She probably at the time was like 40 or 40 in her 40. She could have been, you know, which to somebody in their mid twenties is old. But I remember thinking, "Wow, she really looks great up up close and in person." And wow. uh, and she was so kind and and cool. So that that's that's my memories of Susan Sarandon. Well, I think that's a brush amazing with story. It's a brush with greatness. It's a rock story. You were rocker. Um, that's funny that you yeah, might I did, did the that Sean one. Penn one at some time too. too. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll come up with that one. Are there? Um, that, that, that one. That one's really good. And it, I'm I sorry that I'm. I, this is not that. You know, the etiquette is level is not high for me doing this, but I'm eating these all as. When I was yeah. a kid, which I can't believe I, I'm my age. I would have never ate an olive, ever. I, I can't stand them. I, I, I can't. I, I, they you might have like, had the wrong olives. You got to try different. I, I'll give you an olive uh, array one day. You come here, I'll give you different olives. <laughs> you right. I don't like the ones that are like black. Um, black ones I don't like, like that you put on like tacos. Right. I don't like those, but right. I like other ones. I, um, I will come and eat olives with you, definitely. Yeah. And uh, we got to fly to South Dakota and rock out with Ron. Let's let's do it. I'm not even kidding. I mean, right now, like with with all, I mean, being uh, in my apartment for a couple of months has been strange, and um, I'm ready to to go anywhere uh, that we're allowed to go, uh, where states open up, and then allow people from other states to come. That's the weird thing because we're like. New York people, New York, New Jersey, and I'm not even sure if we're allowed to go places. 
Right. Because you know, sometimes if you're well, like a New Yorker, stuff is reopening apparently. But yeah, yeah. So we're gonna have uh, for all you people a news news break right here. Uh, Talking mental news, uh, June fifteenth, outdoor seating at restaurants happening in New Jersey, our home, our current home state. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's just uh, it's too much, but yeah. yeah. Anyways, let's uh, Victor on uh, Victor. Yeah on Facebook is claiming that you may have said accidentally Suzanne Summers at one point during the season. Oh, I meant Suzanne. Uh, which I, I worked with Suzanne Susan, Summers, Victor. Yeah. So that's uh, the stay tuned for a future brush with greatness where I talk about yeah. working oh, with Suzanne I, Summers, who was so freaking cool uh, and yeah. so down to earth. Um, her husband was a little creepy, but uh, she was very cool. And yeah. So, so cool means he had a crush on her, by the way. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Um, and let me tell you, Mark, I... I then, go ahead. Oh, I had a brush with greatness with Suzanne Summers too, so maybe I was internally thinking of that. I meant Susan Sarandon, but Suzanne Summers uh, will save my... How about we do a dual brush with greatness on a future episode? Yeah. And then Bert Gabriel uh, saying, can you talk about Code Orange? Honestly, they're the greatest band nowadays. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Bert. I, I, I don't. We have spoken about them. Emily spoken about them on the podcast like two years ago. Uh, I don't really have anything to say about them, but but yeah, they're cool. I I, I mean, I, I hear their songs. They're cool. I I don't know what I what I can say. So there you go, Bert. Uh, I don't know enough about them. Emily Emily liked some of their tunes, and we played them on the podcast probably at the end of 2017. So. So go back and look for that episode. Um, uh, Burke Gabriel says Mark has a non-pleasant story with Anthony Kiedis. That wow, you got a good memory. Uh, wow, Bert. I'll have. It's going to be on a future that, one. That's a very short story, but I could tell uh, about a rude. Okay, we got upcoming stuff. Um, it's four a.m. Uh, in Spain, so Victor has to go to bed. I think uh, okay. I had five minutes with Suzanne Summers a few days ago. If you know. Wow. That. That's insane. Uh, I don't know. Oh, I think I know what that means. But guess what, uh, guys? I have to, uh, before we go, um, I have to say something sad. And um, uh, when when I was out with Ace on one of the last couple of shows that I tour managed before I started playing in Like It and then being an opening act, um, we did a festival um and we stayed in a casino uh, in, I think it was in Wisconsin. And um, uh, coming in for a future day was a band called The Sweet. And um, my friend Paulie Z was the new singer of The Sweet. And I had the opportunity to meet Steve Priest who was an original member, legendary bass player, and he recently passed away. It was either yesterday or the day before at the age of 72. I heard so that. I just want to pay tribute to the great Steve Priest of Sweet, of and, the Sweet, um, who was a legendary an influential musician. band that, that never gets the credit that was due. I had that one, like, weird album that was like a combination of, like, a few albums, but it was the American release for them desolation desolation boulevard right i think i think it was a name yeah i yeah. I, I don't yeah, have, I, I I have that. So I don't that, that album is just i know i think the songs off that album originally were on three separate european releases if i'm not mistaken but that album is 
insanity. And I got into them through Crocus, who who wow. covered um, Ballroom Blitz. And right, right. Mm-hmm. Lynn's favorite band is Crocus, by the way. Um, oh, and Crocus she hung out band. with uh, Mark Starachi on the uh, Monsters of Rock cruise. Maybe, maybe she's got to tell us about that. I'm looking at my... The reason, guys, I'm looking down at my phone is I'm trying to look at the comments, and I don't know. My phone only gets old comments. Let me try it one more time yeah. before Desolation we go. Desolation Boulevard, by the way, okay. uh, was a great, great record. And that it, that had uh, Fox on the Run on it, Breakdown. Right, which Ace covered Fox Lady on the Run, Starlight. of course. Yeah, uh, that was a great, great record. So if you don't know that record, that is classic music by sweet or the sweet um i don't yeah, know victor, why I, hi victor hi uh bert gabriel david quinn um and and as far as like Tommy summers lisa and all lisa. those 80s metal bands the sweet highly influential uh band and didn't black and blue cover and steve stevens covered uh uh a, a song by the sweet i'm trying to remember what um Okay. What, what Lisa Colbert, was. how are you? Um, and I'm going to do that album challenge. Uh, I just haven't done it yet, but uh, if you're still watching, I'm going to do the album, album challenge. Thanks for uh, including me in that. And uh, you know how people do that on Facebook, my yeah, friend Lisa. I don't have time. I've had like 50 people saying, and I nominate Mark <laughs> Striegel. And I'm like, oh, God. It's like, well, I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I, I nominated a couple of people and then I dropped off at like the third date. What I think, Lisa, that I'm going to do here is maybe I'll just put. Ten yeah, albums action. up. The song I was and trying then. to think of by the Sweet Action, which was covered by Black and Blue, Tommy Thayer and Jamie St. James on the first record, and was also covered on Steve Stevens' Atomic Playboy record. Both wow. great versions of that song. Thank you, Victor. Victor. Victor is a uh, a very knowledgeable guy. So yes. thank you. For, yes. for that Mark, you were very knowledgeable too. I'm I'm knowledgeable on certain bands, uh, bands that were associated with Kiss. And bands that Emily's my dad's band cell phone played. Really loud. What's that? Emily's around the corner, like blasting her cell phone. Uh, well, it's not coming through. Anyway, we had we had a great show tonight. We thank everybody who watched. You know, um, I know this is a two hour thing. Sometimes it goes longer than that. And uh, come back, Emily. People come on and off, but thank you, everybody. This is going to go out bye. on. Facebook, it's going to go out on YouTube, which thank you for repurposing it. And then it's going to go out on the podcast. Hello, Emily. Emily's just saying goodnight. Def Leppard night. Well. Uh, I, you know what? We got to have some, uh, let's, you know, have a last toast. Last toast. And let's toast. end with action. The, uh, the sweet. By the sweet. Is this yeah. water? No, it's, uh, that's uh, Bud Light Seltzer. Oh, God. Oh no! Wow, I've never had that before. What do you, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> what is that? Oh, I, yeah, Bud Light. Some, I think there's some action happening right now on the air. Action. Yeah, yes, there is. is that action nonstop. You know the song "I Want Action." God, it's nonstop action here. The street Oh, house. Emily, what are you drinking? I want that. That's a Cosmo kind of thing. I don't know. Oh, I I, I have a, a bottle. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's a Cosmo mix. Mark says it's too much cranberry. Yeah, it's weak. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some of that. I think I have the uh, ingredients. So once we get off, that's what I'm going to do. All right. So on that note, Bert Gabriel says cheers. 
Um, oh, Quinn says poison. No, that the the I want action by poison. That's a different poison. song. That's not right. that's not the sweet. No, I, I was just saying I remember the song I want action by poison. Oh. And I was say saying this. that when Emily came over and was talking in your ear, I thought that you might have been getting ready for some action. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it all goes back to the sweet song action. Uh, I'll, I, I almost rather play I want action by poison. But maybe that's disrespectful since the guy just died. Yeah, let's let's play Action by the Sweet, and then uh, maybe in the podcast version, you you run both songs together: the Sweet Action, and then Poison. I want Action, or or not, whatever you choose. Because I love that song. I want Action by Poison. First and Poison still, is one of the greatest God, rock hold on. of all time. But what if we do with the the video? Just me sticking my tongue in Mark's my earpiece fell up. Oh, what what? I couldn't hear my earpiece. So, by the way, I always referred to, um, you know, action was that. And I'm sorry, we're jumping on to another topic, but the um, the word action became a part of my inner vocabulary because of poison. Right. Okay. You know, and I'm going to thank the guys in Poison for that. And I, I'm I'm a I'm a big Poison fan, and um, poison. I think they're great. Especially the first two records. After that, it's like, eh. But yeah, Poison's great. <laughs> so anyway, guys, thank you, Mark. You know what would be really wild is if we do, you know, after COVID, well, maybe we do these in the same spot, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we will. We will. All right. Yeah. Well, my bladder is filled okay. up again, so I do have to, to stop for, for real. Okay. Uh, What's that pill you need? It's, uh, it's on the... It's I don't know. I keep seeing the commercial. <laughs> no. I'm like, holy shit, yeah, I need it. Yeah. Yeah, there's some pill that you take. Ten times a night to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, yeah, but it might be because I drank three beers right before I went to bed. I'm not sure if that's a problem. But but I don't think it is because I I don't usually drink on Monday or Tuesday and I still have to get up. So, Uh Well, Mark, uh, let's solve that for your sake. Um, I'm sure you're healthy. Mark, Mark, FYI, people, he's like the most healthy dude ever. He jogs and he does all these good things. You eat healthy. I am, on the other hand, the most unhealthy. I eat. If it's fried, I eat it. I, I can eat a whole pack of bacon if I want. Um, and uh, I, I drank about 24 cans of Coke in the last week and a half. I'm not kidding. Not even diet. And uh, that's that. Right. <laughs> Astronomy diet. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. All right. Whatever don't. I do, you don't do. Guess what, though? One final comment. I'm ruining this great show with, with these comments. I COVID time again has been good to me in one way. I'm becoming a great, in my opinion, cook. I have a great uh, knife technique. Um, I can cut very well. Like, so let's say you're slicing a, a tomato or a mushroom or an onion. I'm getting just like the people on the cooking shows. Um, second, I uh, made the best clarified butter that I've ever done in the last couple of days. It looked like a store and I made lobster. It was amazing. Wow. Swear to God. I am getting good. Butter to dip it in and stuff. Yeah. And what you have to do is you have to take what's called the milk solids out of the melted butter. And then it's called clarified. And there's another word too that I can't think of right now. Um, Butter. And um, I did that and I can, I I know how to make scallops, which are, uh, not very difficult, but if you if you don't know how to do it, um, you'll screw it up. Emily likes scallops. 
Yeah, she so she makes good scalps, which is true. She oh, does. Good, good. But listen, we yeah. got we got to wrap it okay. because no one's listening uh, at this point on the because I get the the report back on how long of the podcast and anything over an hour they'll listen to this one because we're on keel, but everyone drops yeah. off. So. so, well, here's the thing: they'll listen to it later, and I guarantee you. Maybe we're going to bring a cooking segment into this. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm serious. I have a little pre roll packages we can roll into the live. Yeah. We'll say yeah. we're going to roll. It'll help me with my bathroom making, breaks. Making scallops. Well, yeah. During your bathroom breaks, we'll roll in a pre taped, that's a TV term, people, uh, like a pre taped package of me with a cooking segment. And then right on. on the, uh, when we finally get our own like uh, channel, you know, one of these wild channels you get on your TV. Um, right. Then we'll have uh, we'll have all the different things like astronomy, cooking scallops, astronomy, clarifying butter, all that kind of stuff. Okay, all look right. at that hairdo. Yeah. Talking metal cooks. Talking metal. Yes. All we right. We should have that in a segment. Okay. Right. So we'll play. Thank we'll you, play action by the sweet, and uh, we'll, we'll save the poison song for another another episode. Yes. Yeah. Let's let's honor um, the sweet right now and uh, Steve. Okay. So thanks, people. Um, have a great night. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Emily. Thanks to Ron Kill. Thanks to Simon Wright, one of my favorite drummers. Thanks to Ron Kill, one of my favorite vocals. But friendly. Uh, vocal ist. Not sexy. Sex ist. You know where that comes from? Ist. Spinal tap? Yes. Yeah. Ist. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, cool. All right, John. Bye-bye. So you think you'll take another piece of me to satisfy your intellectual need? Do you want
One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corian's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corian.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corian.com. 